3: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. I'm Dean. I'm Zach. Back with you again. Back again. Yeah, it's good to be uh it's good to be in your earbuds today.
2: We had a we did something new this week. We did. This is one of the goals of our podcast. We want this to be as much as we love to, you know, be on the mic having the conversations, we want this to be ultimately a platform that doesn't always include us Mm -hmm. with host takeovers, podcast takeovers with various different hosts sharing various different perspectives, coming from various different angles. So uh, we tried something a little bit new this week. We had a guest host that co-hosted with Dean and I, so we didn't quite disappear this time. That's right. We might disappear for future ones, uh, but we shared the host seat with one of our one of our first podcast alumni. One of our first first guests, JKE Jackie Kai Ellis. Yeah, the boss, the boss. She <laughs> was the podcast <laughs> podcast boss this week. We we asked her for permission to to join in because. Uh, The guest that she chose was somebody that we wanted to hang out with.
1: Mm -hmm. The incredible Maurice Lee. Yes. Yes, Some of you might know him as the OG Maurice on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) You're an OG
2: if you get your first name as your Instagram handle. Yeah.
1: And uh, some of you might otherwise know him from his Instagram account, Stay and Wander, which is an incredible photography uh, business website service and Instagram account. Like if you are into beautiful aesthetically shot photos, just stop what you're doing and go
2: follow Stay and Wander. So good. So good. He's Maurice has an eye. He's able to see things that not everybody sees and he captures them and shares them with all of us mm-hmm. through his Instagram channel. And and we get into that into into Instagram and how that altered his life and we get into what he thinks might be next. Uh, something that we're curious about and we've been having conversation about off the air um NFTs and yeah. web3 yeah sounds confusing um in the metaverse in the metaverse so we we get a little bit into that and uh you know similar to um other other kind of new paths that we take on the podcast it kind of sometimes spikes our interest and and from there we seek out other experts so that we can have Somebody on to you know teach us a little bit about this thing called the internet mm-hmm. and uh, Web three. Wait, isn't it the interwebs? Interwebs, the www dot dial up, <laughs> ask Jeeves. <geez. laughs> ask Jesus. You got mail. Ooh, uh, <laughs> yeah. All those things, but so,
1: those yeah, those conversations push us towards people that we know, connected to, or want to know and be connected to yep. that are kind of operating in these areas. So stay tuned
2: yes I think NFTs will be and Web3 will be a a topic that we'll explore further because yeah. we are curious into what that may look like the pros the cons the good all of that you know the not so good and um, how we as people can navigate a digital experience mm-hmm.
1: yeah and like I think meaningfully right because there's one thing to to kind of participate in it and just like go along with it, which is like how you know I found myself into like social media. Yes, way back when I remember joining a Facebook group, thinking like that was w- what Facebook was was this like group and didn't realize that it was this like whole actual platform. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. It was actually with uh, someone who I think we talked about on
2: this episode, Jeff Amata. He got you on the the old Facebook. He
1: he had this. Well, him and some of our friends, we had this like. Facebook group that was like a rap battle group. Oh my gosh! But get this, MC <laughs> it, Dean. It was like, because it was over Facebook, it was like typed out rap battles like back and
2: forth. It, it That's was, cool. It well,
1: was it? I
2: don't know. I it just pictured fun. like uh Jack Kerouac and yeah, uh, you know Allen Ginsberg like having like a typewriter war. Yes. And this is like the evolution, and maybe you know. Web3 and NFTs right, the evolution from that. Who yeah,
1: knows? But, but engaging like thoughtfully is once I realized like, oh, there's a whole other platform beyond just this group. Like, because I jumped on and made my picture like it was ridiculous. Like my profile picture, I was trying to look like some yes. crazy like blinged out rapper yes. and then i realized like other people
2: could see oh my <laughs> see gosh. That photo,
1: so engaging but engaging like thoughtfully and intentionally
2: yeah. with these this, these things is always a good idea those early facebook days like tag uh, me oh, and you just like write on people's wall like what's up yeah and you'd like write some funny memory like i remember in high school when you like slipped on the chocolate milk or whatever yeah. you know like yeah our times change yeah. uh i mean i mean i think going to that nft world because that's somewhere we do go on this podcast i think it's easy to be intimidated and kind of push away um like i think i'm inclined to be like i like nature i like going for hikes i like the real world but i think what you said there intention bringing meaning um i think this is just like a whole new way of experiencing community yeah um and in a way where everyone can have ownership and we'll, we'll get more into that, yeah.
1: Something to something definitely to continue to unpack and explore for sure. But uh, if it feels like oh my gosh, metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency is something that you just like kind of your eyes glaze over, don't worry, you're in good company. Pod boss Jackie Kailas also, along with myself, kind of had a lot of questions about what this means, and you know, Maurice was able to guide us through and really like uh. Yeah kind of like introductory like safe way. Yes. And I think I think we we landed in kind of a cool spot yeah. with like some understandings around it.
2: We also talk about art and shoes yeah. and food and travel. Oh yeah. And all sorts of things that are in the analog in the real world. The so uh world. have no fear it's not only NFTs and web3. That's there's right. there's a whole lot of living in between uh this and that. You know what you
1: can never you can never fully migrate to um the metaverse, because we're
2: living human beings.
1: Yeah, so so there are certain things that you just like you can't you can't uh, remove from the analog experience, and one of those things is having delicious
2: food three times a day, right? sometimes more if you're a snacker like me. It's true. It's kind true. of just like from you know wake up to to sleep time, just one big graze. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, if I'm awake. I'm probably feeling peckish.
2: Yes. They call me snacks at work because I'm always <laughs> snacking. <laughs> it's true.
1: Yeah, it's boy.
2: True. Do like a good snack.
1: Yeah, but um, one of our pod
2: sponsors today, the amazing Fresh Prep. Oof, love me Fresh Prep. Life-changing experience.
1: They're definitely, you know, well into the all things meta with the internetery. They have a TikTok channel. They've got Facebook, Instagram. They've got their website, freshprep.ca. So they're definitely an online presence but those delicious meals are delivered to your door to be prepared and enjoyed and consumed in the old analog way.
2: In the real world.
1: In the real world. So if you haven't uh, checked them out, be sure to check them out. They're amazing. Zach is a certified fresh prepper, OG. Fresh
2: prepper for life. So get those taste buds ready, people.
1: Yeah. Tons of, tons of great uh, nutritious and delicious meals, like I said, delivered to your door. Uh, you, you make them. And you enjoy them. You can even, you know, in this crazy time, you can even have friends over.
2: Yep, it's one of my uh, go-to presents too. When you know we're at the age where lots of people are having babies. Yep, um, or getting married, or various things that they may be celebrating. It's
1: the holiday season. What what says happy Hanukkah better than a delivery of fresh prep? Yes, food.
2: So if you've got a friend that uh, has had a new baby and uh, making meals might not be. Um, as easy as it was before, or you know, you just want to say congratulations in a tasty way. Uh, Fresh prep is my favorite gift to give, and uh, we can make it easy for you because we have a promo code for three free meals. That's right. We
1: also love to give gifts. Yes. So check out uh, when you're at the checkout, use the discount code or the promo code SCjuice, all caps. They get you three free meals.
2: My goodness. Whew. That's a good week. All right. Hit that promo. Get those meals. You won't regret it. Change my life. Can change yours. I don't say that lightly. That's right. Uh, I'd just be eating cereal and toast and smoothies if it weren't for fresh prep. So, <laughs> yeah, good. all right. So, this week, we got a co-host boss, Jackie Kialis, the one, the only, and the legendary Maurice Lee. So, I hope you guys enjoy. All right. We're doing something new today. Brand new. Brand new. Brand new. We've got a new boss in town.
3: That's right. <laughs> Gosh, stop calling me the boss and stressing me out. No. Okay, a boss. Hey,
1: whatever you say, boss. So-,
2: <laughs> so we're trying something new. We've got podcast podcast alumni. Yeah. Jack, Jackie Kyellis here. Jack and uh, she's, Hi. she's the boss today.
3: I, I, okay. Can I be one of those bosses that we all just like lead together? Like one of those. Diplomatic inclusive bosses. You're yes. the boss. Okay. You gotta do whatever you want.
2: Collaborative <laughs> yeah. team. I mean, yeah, if, okay. it's
1: all the rage. If oh. your if your decree is that we lead from the middle, then we will we will, yes. oblige.
2: Okay.
3: We will follow your leadership. Let's let's all have a good time. That's my decree.
2: Okay. Love it. Okay. And uh, who, as as the boss, who's who is who is our guest today? So boss?
3: today <laughs> I decided to invite my very good friend Maurice Lee, who is one of the co-founders of Stay and Wander. And, um, yeah, I he's someone that I feel like has been both a great friend and also uh, someone who's been an inspiration to me simply because he is, is truly, um, I don't know how you do it. You sort of live life from a very centered place and you seem to, at least from the outside, know exactly where you're going and you never really get stressed out about you know, the things that you don't need to get stressed out about, and you seem to live life in a very happy way. And so that's always been very inspiring to me. Also, he's a great advice giver. I've gone to him for every single problem I've ever had. And he's always given me great, very centered advice. So anyway, apart from his very uh, many professional accomplishments, he's also a very admirable human being. So anyway welcome Maurice.
0: Well thank you so much Jackie that was a, a very generous performance review boss <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no, you get I'm super, a raise. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm super happy to be here and uh, you know it's always great to be in such good company not just yourself but uh, you know Dean and Zach as well so I'm looking forward to having some great conversations um, sharing what I can and uh, hearing your opinions and just having good chats.
3: So I think that this conversation is going to be pretty free-flowing. We're just all four of us are going to have a cool, chill conversation. But I did want to start with the story of how we met, because kind of like what's the relationship between us and how do we start our friendship? And I want to hear what your your retelling of the story is. I think I've heard it before, but I want to... Yeah, maybe people would be interested.
0: Yeah, it's actually... I mean, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, I have some you know very close friends who are still my close friends to this day um they you know used to go to a, like a church and i don't go to church but you know i'm just one of those curious people and and you know at one point in my life i was like you know these people um they really love the community and and you know everything that's going on at this church and they're my good friends i mean i owe it to myself to to check it out, to, you know, to see what's going on. And, and so for a while I was like dropping in on, you know, Sundays on, at certain church, like, you know, gatherings just to, to figure out what, what it was all about have, as someone who didn't go to church. And the funny thing was, I think at, at that period in time, Jackie was, you know, also somehow at that yeah, church.
3: I, I was a, I was a definite born again, Christian from the age of like 16 to, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a complex thing, but anyway, it's, yeah, I was, I was a very, very devout Christian at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we somehow crossed paths and, um, my very, very good friend, Linda, who is our mutual connection at the time. Uh, I remember she, you know, was friends with Jackie. We were, you know, Linda and I were very close. And she one day was like, you know, I think that you and Jackie would, make a really great pair like i think you would really like her um she's like i think you guys are like perfect for each other you should you know guys should try and see i didn't what
3: know you- she went that far she just went <laughs> hey you should meet my friend maurice no i, I mean, mean she said
0: <laughs> she was just like you know pushing things in that direction yeah. she just she's like i think you guys would really hit it off in that sense and so i remember thinking in my head like jackie no, <laughs>
4: like, what? What? <laughs> no. Oh so
0: goodness. so at the time <laughs> at the time it was interesting <laughs> no no i mean
3: your raise is cut again. <laughs> Sorry.
0: context context and i and i think jackie will agree like at the time jackie was i mean we were very young at the time this was yeah, i don't this, even know how many years ago I was like 20, 20 years ago
3: i was like 20, 20 or 21 or something
0: yeah and yeah. and i think jackie was probably hadn't fully grown into herself at that time. Like, she was a bit of yeah. a, a different person. I don't know if that's fair to say.
3: Oh, yeah. I was very... Just to give you a bit of a snapshot, I was very nervous all the time, very um, unsure of myself. I was always wearing sweatpants around the time that I met you. <laughs> I remember. It's like the one thing that's, like, burned into my memory. And I think I didn't know how to be or socially around other people. So... Kind of awkward. Well, it's funny because
0: I mean, I don't even think I knew you that well to even make that assessment. Uh, I had more seen you like, you know, just around, like either there or I would bump into you like on the weekend downtown. And I think you were like partying a bit at the time. Oh, yeah, and I remember very clearly this one memory that I still have, it's like crystal clear in my mind. I was driving downtown, like I think down Seymour Street, which is one block off of Granville, like the kind of party district. And this girl like walked, stumbled across the street and like bumped into my car. And this
3: was not, you never told me this.
0: (laughs) No, I'm sure I told you the story. But anyway, so, and then I like, I, I rolled down the window and I was like, Jackie? And you were like. I mean, I don't know if this is proper for this, yeah, totally but, but you were like, you were, I don't know, a little like bit like hammered? incoherent. Yeah. Okay, like maybe
3: <laughs> around this time I was not as, it was one of my lesser <laughs> devout moments. Uh,
1: <laughs> potentially. Yes. Um, it's a good thing to practice, yeah. right? Like Christianity, is <laughs> yeah. all, it's all about forgiveness. It's a good thing to like put that into practice sometimes, <laughs> yeah, like yes, putting yourself sure. in a position of needing it. Right? Yeah, so- exactly, exactly.
3: How would yeah. You yeah. You repent if you didn't have anything to do with it? Exactly. exactly. Yes. I am human, right? That's yeah. right. There's so i mean They gotta be sown
0: yeah I mean, so that's just kind of one example and i and I think that when when the conversation came up, I was kind of like, no i don't I don't see what you're seeing. I think you know Jackie and I are very different. I mean, I wasn't like a hard partier. I mean, I don't even drink right, but it was just like, no, I don't think so
3: but like, <laughs> and, okay, do you mind if I interject yeah, for no one? sure, okay, so for one second, so um also in context, I think that you have always been pretty um like settled in yourself even from a younger age would you say like I don't think from the time from that time till now obviously you've evolved a lot as a human being everyone does but you seemed pretty sure of yourself and and pretty concrete and grounded even at the age of like 20 something
0: yeah I, I mean I, I I haven't really thought about it that way but I I guess so I I, I am pretty like I don't know what the word is, but even keeled. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so that would be accurate. And then, and then yeah, it, it was just funny because I was like, I don't think I I don't see what you see, and <laughs> let's never talk about this again. Weird, <laughs> right? And and the the crazy thing I I don't know if there was anything else to fill in, but basically Jackie and I didn't see each other for like I don't know what twelve to fifteen years after that.
3: Yeah, but I do remember um, our mutual friend did get us to have dinner at her house oh you and i and her and her husband yeah do you remember that no that i don't remember that at all okay see that's how much i thought of (laughs) (laughs) so we she made a pot roast which was her thing i still remember how she made the pot roast i don't know if you guys want me to get into that but it involved putting like powdered soup into the pot anyway whatever. Mm. yeah it was a very 50s style pot roast i don't know why that stuck in my memory but and you showed up And I was already there wearing my sweatpants (laughs) and, and I remember Linda, or (laughs) I guess I shouldn't say your name anyway. I already did. Oh, did you? So Linda's like, Hey, you know, he's awesome. He's one of my best friends. Should really consider him. I don't even remember having met you prior to that point. So then we, yeah, (laughs) what's Um. And so when we met each other, I think both of us were trying hard to just be polite. And then it was immediate. We just both went hi, And then both of us, you could just see this, the our shoulders just go, yeah, this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just didn't talk pretty much the entire night. I mean, we were polite, but we didn't really talk. And then Linda afterwards asked me, I think like, so what did you think? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think. So.
0: I mean, clearly it was a very memorable night for me because I have no recollection <laughs> yeah. of this whatsoever. <laughs> My
3: goodness, I do remember seeing, anyway, this is going on for way too long, but yeah. yeah um, <laughs> so, so yeah, sure. anyway, Keep going. fast forward
0: <laughs> many, many years later and just before uh, Jackie was about to launch her bakery, yes. Boku, um, I think it was, it was the same friend who was like, oh yeah, do you remember Jackie? She's yeah. the girl that... And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's so crazy. Like that was that was weird. Like I don't know why you made that recommendation. Yeah. And um and then I, I don't know what happened, but um I think it was right after the bakery opened. Like I stopped in and was just kind of like, Hey, like we actually know each other. Yeah. We've met in the past, like through our mutual friend. And we just chatted in the bakery. Like I remember sitting at the window and yeah. you came and we had a really really excellent chat
3: yeah about travel yeah about, like designing your own life about all these really cool things
0: yeah and so it was just uh from there i think like we hit it off and just became like really yeah. really close friends like over the years and yeah. so it's a, it's kind of a, a crazy story yeah um didn't result in like you know Love or anything like that but really like one of my closer friends like it's pretty pretty amazing that's so, awesome
1: so the dinner the the 1950s pot roast dinner was that yeah. like a, a bunch of people or was that like a intentional let's let's have this delicious pot roast set the mood and like this is going to be the beginning of like the love story was that her yeah. hope do you think or was it just like hey we're having a bunch of friends together
3: i think she was hoping the pot roast would blossom into <laughs> into romance it was, there was, there were no other people. It was just Maurice and I. Okay, lie. okay. Yeah. So it
0: was intentional. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, I I would, <laughs> if I could stress one thing is that when we, you know, met again all those years later, round three. I think, no, 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 it was round two, I guess. Yeah. Like just round the, two. Yeah. yeah.
2: church be round one?
0: That was all around the same time. That was all, okay. that's yeah. all round one. Okay. So okay. I think that, I think <laughs> that we were all, we were both in very different places in life. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean. And now like, you guys have blossomed into this amazing friendship Yeah. lasted, you know, more than a decade.
3: Yeah. Which is I,
0: crazy to think that it's now been that long
2: again. Like yeah, since, yeah, it's
3: been a long time. So we've officially, yeah, now known each other for uh, like around 20 years. So that's 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 significant. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and around that time, I remember you, because you have a an interesting past actually, because you you somehow fell into venture capitalism which I think that's one thing a lot of people do know about you and then you slowly transitioned from that career into full-time photography but it wasn't overnight it was over the course of like what five years or something
0: probably longer I mean it's funny that you mentioned that because actually these days like a lot of people don't know about that I don't know Zach did you even know about that? That
2: your adventure.
0: That I used yeah. to be an adventure? Okay. Yes, yes. So, yeah, a lot of people don't know about that part of my life and they're surprised when they hear it. So, for. When,
2: a- when I first met you, you were starting to transition. Oh, okay. So, it's been that venture long. From cap to photography. And I was telling Dean before we started, our first ever like, photo shoot of Ryan and I was. You took the photos. You probably don't even remember. Oh, you're right. Yes. No. Devin Brooks uh, set it up because she was our mentor at the time. She cooked a pot roast. She cooked a pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) She was trying to match match us up. For uh, you know all of our social media needs and all that. Oh, but yeah, uh, you that's... took you took our first ever like uh, photo shoot of Ron wow, that's
0: wild. I I had forgotten, but now that you mention it, yeah, I'll send totally. You, I'll send
2: you some of the pictures after.
0: Didn't did some of those photos end up like being used somewhere like
2: oh, definitely like the for... Globe and Mail or something like that. I, Pro- I can't remember. Probably, I think oh, they were, wow. like our our like go to photos for like the last decade. <laughs> would you Would you have wow. used some of them recently? Because you guys just had your ten year anniversary do, yes probably yeah. probably in some of our like um even more recent stories that we're kind of wow, doing flashbacks so um that's our, our connection there Oh, wow, that's really cool look better than uh we've ever looked before yeah. <laughs> i had some bigger muscles somehow and <laughs> shorter hair more <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
3: Photoshop <Wow>. does wonders <laughs> i know it's no. amazing
0: yeah so when i was doing when i did that for you guys it would have been you know um like i was still my day job was venture capital and so i had started, I guess, making a bigger name for myself doing photography, but it was always off hours, weekends, you know, just born out of my passion for it. Hmm. And so, yeah, I guess fast forward a while and, you know, I was doing 80% VC and then 20% photography. And over time that kind of flipped to, you know, like I had really, really great partners at the firm at the time. And, you know, during the economic downturn, they sort of said, Well, you know, if you want to explore doing different things, I mean, now might be the time. It's not like there's a ton of money to be invested and things like that. And so that was really like how that all started. And eventually, like, you know, I just kind of became a consultant doing that, went into full-time photography. I mean, just to keep my story really short was um, from there, I started doing commercial photography and realized that, you know, all these companies were needing content. And this was like in, I don't know, the 2009, 2010 range. And I was like, content seems to be a thing. Like everywhere I go, people need photos for Facebook or for Twitter at the time. You know, all these other platforms didn't really exist. I think Instagram had just launched. And so I started talking to companies and saying, hey, I'm a photographer, a commercial photographer, but that's not really my thing. Like I kind of live and breathe social media, but I'm not a social media guru or that type of person who promotes like those types of that type of business like I'm just I'm more on the creative side so do you need someone to come in and like create photos that will help you sell what you're selling or market or do whatever Um, and everybody was like you know what this is exactly what I need because right now I'm taking photos on my Blackberry and Mm -hmm. you know so and so our writer who's fantastic is like taking photos with her point and shoot and frankly they're not very good so if we can pair you with them we'll have a really great product and I was like that's exactly what I'm trying to trying to sell you guys right and it was rejection after rejection because when they would take it to whoever paid the bills, they just didn't get, they're like, what do you want? What do you, why do you want this? Right? Like photos from Blackberry are just fine yeah. to go with your, you know, excellently crafted marketing piece. And so, you know, people just didn't get it. And it took a couple of years of me kind of grinding it out as a freelance photographer before launching stay and wander. And, you know, along the ways I had a couple of big wins, like I was hired by, um, what was called uh, Tourism Canada at the time and now Destination Canada to work on Will and Kate when they visited Canada on a tour mm-hmm. their first visit um so I was like the official press photographer for you know the tourism sector and also like for European press and I also had to run their Twitter their Instagram their Tumblr um and work with a writer so I was like it was the craziest you know whatever, 10 or 11 days ever in my life. Yeah. Uh, but I had to generate all these pictures. And I guess that kind of opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, so after that, I was sort of like, see, everybody needs somebody to create this stuff. So to feed these unending like social platforms, right? And so, again, it's already become a really long story, but I, I saw a need there, partnered with another you know, really talented photographer named Alex Stroll. We launched this company, Stay and Wander, uh, for two reasons. One, to provide those kinds of assets, photos, content to people that were now consuming them at a crazy rate because of social media, but also so that we could help, uh, other sort of fledgling young photographers to understand the business side of photography mm-hmm. instead of like trading, you know, photos for a pair of shoes or a t-shirt. It was like, this is how you can turn this into a business and, you know, let us help you. We'll help you manage the business side of things and leave you to do what you do best. And we'll also interface with the brands because they don't know how to talk to you to get the best out of you. And so fast forward now, nine years later or eight years later, and it's, uh, yeah, that's our business. I mean, we've transitioned into more of like a a commercial like content studio, but we still do social campaigns and things like that um, and and build ambassador programs, but uh, yeah, really we're focused on helping companies like create, really top-notch content that doesn't look like stock photography.
1: Right. Right. So that's kind of the the sweet spot for us. That's awesome.
3: So for me, when I hear your story, or even having been part of it from the sidelines, the one thing that I think is baffling for a lot of people is, you know, they want to become a photographer, or they want this dream job, or they, they find something they're super passionate about, and they're still in their day job and they don't know how to get from that to whatever passion they do have, I get this question a lot. And also I don't know if people understand the amount of patience and and knocking on doors and um, sacrifice that it takes to get from one thing to another. So what, in your opinion, has, have been the most crucial sacrifices that you've had to make in order to make this life, which is presumably, you know, your, your passion life work? How did you design and craft your own life?
0: Uh, I think one of the immediate things that, you know, jump to the front of my mind is how irregular of a life I actually live. Mm. Not just because, you know, I've chosen something where, you know, pre-pandemic I was traveling half a year, often with very little notice and just being on the road. But Having the, I guess, the flexibility and the patience to live a life like that, and not just in terms of your schedule, but also, you know, income. Right? There are some years where all of my income might come, or all of our revenues really might come in the span of like two three months, and then there are months that go by where it's just sort of a trickle, and then there's big projects that get landed, and you know, you're making a lot of money. So it's it's very difficult, I think, both to plan. Uh, personal finances sometimes, and also um, more personal things like, you know, taking trips with my partner, holidays, just taking like me time. Um, Oftentimes there isn't like even when I'm quote unquote on vacation, I'm doing emails at like 5am. And we have clients, you know, for example, in Japan, New York, you know, London, Vancouver, and often all at the same time. So even if I'm on one of my quote unquote you know, fantastic getaways that look really fun because I'm eating, you know, ramen and sushi and, you know, visiting neat places in Japan. I mean, at 4 a.m. on any given night, I'm probably on emails or building a deck or taking a, like, a meeting. Um, and that also applies when I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, the other night, for example, I was like, okay, the only time that, you know, all of the stakeholders on a project, <clears throat> excuse me, could meet were was 3 a.m., our time. So I'm up for that, right? Because I want to make it work. And, you know, there I know that there are a lot of people who are like, mm, that's not healthy, right? Nine to five is nine to five. You should shut off. Weekends, you should shut off. But I mean, that's great for a lot of businesses. That doesn't work for my business. And it's like um, something that I've just had to adapt to. So, I mean, I guess to answer your question, it's like, it's, it's just remaining, you know, flexible and taking things as they come to make things work. And that's always kind of been, the way, like, I mean, it involves sacrifice. Yes, um, but it's almost gotten to the point where I don't really look at them as sacrifices. They're just—it's just a just business that I've chosen. So,
3: did you actually have to envision or, or really be precise about what kind of what you wanted your life to look like, or did it all just sort of happen?
0: Yeah, it was. This life was definitely not by design. Um, really? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I mean the the nature of the business that I work in. I mean, photography is is as old as well. I was going to say as old as time, but I, as old as cameras have been around, right? That business. But what melding photography with content, social media, and then making that a global business, you in, you introduce so many different variables. Like there was, there's really no way for me at the time. And this is something that you know I will say I do still struggle with. It's it's very difficult to project what my business will be like in two years and it's i mean one of the things that that was a strength of ours which is being able to innovate and say hey look here's something that everybody understands photography and then combining it with something like social media or the digital you know world um, that was one of the things that helped us win a lot of business and helped us um, um, be seen as as leaders and innovators in the space so really what we need to do is we need to keep staying on top of that because otherwise we'll fall behind. And so, you know, prior to the recording of this podcast, for <laughs> example, we started talking about things like NFTs and the metaverse and, you know, digital worlds upcoming. And these are all things that in addition to what I do for my day job, right. I mean, I need to keep up with, and this all, it's funny cause it comes full circle. It all comes from my uh, experience as a venture capitalist because I, we invested in technology. And so my job literally was to keep on top of everything that was new and you know interesting in the world. And what I've done is tried to apply that to the world of photography and marketing and creating content. And so every day now, I need to keep doing that, right? I need to think about, okay, a year from now, two years from now, I can't make a plan because I don't know where it's going to end up, but I need to keep trying things or keep thinking about different ways to approach it so that some major shift doesn't come along that renders us completely like obsolete as a business Mm. and and i think that that's you know that's something that is in danger of happening for some businesses that aren't adapting they're they're not looking at they're they're thinking of they have a five-year plan which i may not have but the the road map if you will the road that they're on may be obliterated and not exist in a year Mm -hmm. right and so what I'm trying to do is like get off that road completely and think about you know different routes like maybe you don't use a road Uh, it's taking this metaphor too far but you know what I mean right like it's like think about what's coming and how the the skills and the connections and the talent that we work with can be applied to these different things that are coming in creative ways so
3: so what do you what's your what are your thoughts on people who have made a living purely out of being an influencer nowadays?
0: I think, I think it's, it's great. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's, I don't look down on people like that. I mean, obviously we've been in that space. We know a lot of people who do things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, it's become a very commoditized thing, right? And so it's no longer, so magical to have, like, a super talented influencer. I mean, there are, obviously, we still talk, work with a lot of people who are at the top of their game, like, the best at what they do in terms of storytelling, and, you know, just what they can deliver in terms of visuals, be it video, film, like, or photos, etc. Um, but again, it's it's very commoditized, and, and oftentimes, the client can't tell the difference as much anymore, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's less differentiation, so they might not recognize what makes somebody special and they think oh if I pay you know a fraction to get good enough it's good enough Mm -hmm. and so that's 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 really um uh, damaging for I guess this whole like ecosystem and I I guess what I find is that a lot of people have sort of sold out is not the right word what I'm trying to say is that they've put all their eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. and decided because of how the last four or five years has gone that being an influencer is the thing And what they've come to realize in the past year or two is, well, wait a minute, how come like people aren't calling as much or how come the rates have dropped by so much, they just, they're not thinking about it from a broader sense of like, you know, there may be, I may still do the, do it the best, but there are nine to 90 other people who are doing it just like almost as good and good enough for the client. And so you need to think about other ways to pursue, you know, or, or to translate your talents and the skill set and the experience that you've had into um, doing something slightly different. And and I think that that's kind of, we reached that point where, I mean, you've all seen this, where people mention the word influencer and everyone's like, Ugh, influencers, <laughs> like they just roll their eyes. Right. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's kind of got this negative connotation to it. And I've said this before, like, I don't, To me, it's never been an actual negative word because if you really think about it, there are people who are really good at what they do and they are influential, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for example, like Jackie, you're one of these people, like Zach, even you're one of these people, like the things that you enjoy eating, you know, places you travel to, the things that you do, like there are people that will take inspiration from those things or be like, you know what? I know enough about these people that if they like it, I think I'll probably like it too. So I might do that or book that or eat that I mean, that's influence. That's, that's what being an influencer means. However, quote unquote influencer has become such a, a negative thing, right? And so I feel like a lot of people are cheering for influencers to fail um, as, a, as an industry because they don't think that it's a, a real job. But you know what? Again, uh, something that we touched on before, before this podcast was, you know, before we hit record on this, but moving forward, um, the world is gonna get more and more virtual. Right. And, and that's something that we could spend hours talking about. And, you know, a lot of people laughed or groaned when uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, announced that they were changing Facebook's name to Meta because they saw the future as the metaverse, which is really like, you know, a virtual world where things you know exist digitally. Um, I mean, we're not we don't want to get into the bones of this, but, you know, as that world rises and no matter whether you believe in it or not, it's happening. Um, Maybe not as quickly or to the extent that some people are predicting, but it's it's already happening and has been for years. So when you get into this kind of a mo- more digital world, like influence is kind of something that that is real currency in that world, because you don't have the benefit of like sitting down with someone to convince them you're going to, you know have a fancy costume or a fancy location or a fancy bobble or collectible or whatever it is that people will look at and want or be able to like look at and somehow like perceive or judge your status or, you know, it sounds terrible, but your worth in like that kind of digital world. And so, you know, right now what people are wrestling with is how to make it so that, you know, your worth is not just, you know, what you have collected Um, but I think that will come because that's just kind of where we're at right now. And obviously everybody's very skeptical about that, but at some point you're going to, you know, start to figure out like, Hey, um, I don't even need to buy cool sneakers anymore because I have, you know, a digital locker full of cool sneakers and guess what? I see Zach, you know, once every two years, but he sees me once every other day online. Mm -hmm. So is it more important to me to have like interesting cool sneakers? when I see Zach or Jackie like once every two years or when they see me every other day, you know, I, I want my outfit to look interesting online. Yeah. And and when I'm, you know, showing those things off, like in my digital collection, which is now more important and a, and a, and a, you know, a better sense of what I actually am or have. That's right? so
3: sad. Mm-hmm. Well, sad is,
0: is, I mean, sad, I think is, is one way to look at it because you're basing it on our experience so far,
4: mm-hmm. True. right? And
0: so I think one thing that like the story that I always come back to is that, you know, I've seen these interviews with kids. Like kids, were talking age like nine through 13 and they interview them. And parents are like, hey, um, you know, for Christmas this year, what do you want? Do you want a cool pair of sneakers? Or do you want a cool pair of sneakers for your avatar in the online world? Or do you want a cool new jacket in real life to brave the cold? Or do you want a cool new jacket for your avatar in the meta world. And the majority of these kids are now like, I don't care about having a pair of sneakers because I don't go out. Like, especially right now during the pandemic, yeah. obviously it's gonna change, but we're moving in that direction. They're like, give me those digital collectible sneakers yeah. or give me that cool jacket online because I want to look cool in the digital world. So to them, this, this idea that you have, like we're kind of dinosaurs, it's not sad. That's just the way it is. That's their representation to the world. It's like you buy a nice coat for winter why? Because you want to look good and feel good about yourself when you go out into the world. They want to do the same except the world that they're going out to is a digital world.
3: Mm-hmm. However, there there is a, another facet which is, you know, when I when I buy really beautiful things, yes, obviously I'm not I'm human, so there are times when you buy beautiful things for status or to get other people's admiration or whatever it is but there's a large portion of what I purchase and that's simply for the the pleasure of the experience of of using it and feeling it in your fingers or you know for example the the, exa- the, the, the example that I use often is you know I don't buy my morning coffee mug to impress everyone else. I buy it because it feels really good in my hands. I love the way it feels. I love the weight of it. I love the way that it feels, you know, when the coffee's in there and the, the heat's heating up my hands in the morning. Like I love the shape of it, the aesthetic and that's for no one else. And so in my mind, will this next generation lose out on the, the true beauty of, owning things which is not necessarily the thing itself but it's the admiration and the experience of the thing
0: well i mean i agree with you but beauty is in the eye of the beholder right so all of the things that you just explained enjoying they may have no care for right they literally i mean i again it's hypothetical yes. but i mean i'm just sort of i'm trying to see things from both sides mm-hmm. because yes. I, I work in a world where i i, I actually hang out with a lot of people that are younger who have very different perspectives from myself, which are I would say more closely tied to your perspectives on things, right? But I I mean, over time I've gotten to understand, it's like they could care less potentially about that warm, fuzzy feeling of holding a warm mug because they get a warm, fuzzy feeling literally from having like a collectible version of that mug that they can store in a locker that maybe nobody sees, but they know that they have and they can carry that digital wallet around with them wherever they go. And when I say wherever they go, I mean physically, like to the Starbucks on the corner, or the cafe, but also wherever they go as they traverse this new virtual like world, yeah. which is a crazy thing. Like it's so much to wrap our heads around. Yeah. And I'm Jackie's shaking your head right now. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I just feel like if, if I didn't already feel old, this is making me feel extremely well, old. Yeah. Well, we're
2: kind of like... I don't know. We're we're somewhere in the millennial spectrum, but like this is like Gen Z language. Like, I could kind of echo uh, what Maurice was saying. Like, I'm just I just brought up this post here. Um, like, people our age, I'm uh, doing air quotes here, spend fifty percent of their attention on screens currently, and they're saying the younger generation spends Gen Z generation spends ninety percent <gasps> of their attention on screens. So it's like. Our world, we're kind of this hybrid kind of generation that like still lives, you know, half of our time functionally in the quote unquote real world. Whereas younger generation, like Maurice was saying, like they're spending their like their social time is and and to kind of echo this, like we grew up pre-social media, but Gen Z, like that has been their language since Mm -hmm. they were very young. So... Um, this digital world, this metaverse is kind of like where they're going to socialize, where they're going to hang out. And like what's statusy or a flex for us um, is different for the upcoming generations. Like, like Maurice was saying, like having like to me it's kind of like black mirror meets ready player one Mm -hmm. meets Pokemon in a way. Um, But like having something digital, like when I listen to our staff, like if they have, an NFT or like something that's like for their avatar, like that's what they're like bragging about. That's mm-hmm. their like wow, like for uh, for me when I was young, I was like, oh, I got my first Tommy Hilfiger sweater, and that was like, <laughs> you know, that was my status. You know, that is cool, but now, right, Tommy. But,
0: but I also think it's you know, it's a bit divisive to to concentrate on people wanting right. things as a flex, right? Because that once Sorry. you get past that, it's it's where you start to really understand like. I, I mean, I, I can give you a better example. Like I, some of you know, like have been a longtime sneaker collector. Yes. Like I, you know, there are sneakers that have for sentimental reasons, for historical reasons, for art reasons, for design reasons. Like I collect sneakers for a lot of different reasons, but I obviously have probably more shoes that I can wear. And a lot of them just, you know, sit in a box and, and they're for me to enjoy. Like you've not seen point five percent of like
3: whatever How would I be able to appreciate them? Correct, right? right. So
0: so what I, I guess the example here is like I may like open a box and be like, oh, you know, I remember everything that went into getting this sneaker. Like I had to fly to Japan, meet a guy in the back alley in the nineties, you know, like we couldn't speak English, like we didn't speak the same language, but we made this deal and I got this limited pair of shoes. So they're always gonna have value to me because they represent a moment, a time, and I appreciate the design, what have you, the club, what have you. And so for these you know this younger generation or not even I don't, I don't even want to keep saying yeah, younger generation I
2: shouldn't I shouldn't like classify it as an age because I think
0: yeah because like, there are a lot more people coming online like yeah. w- of all ages who who yeah. get it or get it is not the right word either it's just that that's the way that they've chosen to live so I mean just to use a direct parallel it's like let's say they have a digital sneaker collection mm-hmm. I mean same as me they're like well I'm never gonna wear these shoes anyway but and and we get into this whole like unique you know nft things being a unique thing let's save that for another discussion another day <laughs> but let's say you have like a, a a sneaker in your digital wallet that only you like you have it and you appreciate it because you know that you're the only one that owns that because it's limited digitally for you know using the nft technology that we're not going to get into but but it's the it's a parallel right you're like i have this i'm enjoying it i'm not i'm not gonna. Email or message you guys and be like, hey, check out my the digital sneakers I bought because I know you guys don't care, yeah. right? But I have that and I care and it's like my collectible, it's my thing. But that can extend to so many different things. You might collect like digital versions of blank, right? It could be stamps. It could be like I mean we're still scratching the surface because we're using all these old references, yes, right? But it could be anything. And and, and what you're trying to what you're starting to see is like. It's this nebulous blob that has flower petals and like you know googly eye eyes, and it's a unique thing that I want to collect, and I'm proud and happy, and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy for having this in my collection. Not just because I want it to be able to to flex. Yeah. Maybe one day I can, but just having it, like just like somebody who keeps a book of stamps in you know, just the, like in an art.
2: I collected hockey cards when I was 100% yeah. younger. And- People can collected Beanie Babies or Pogs or whatever. Like just that idea of, you know, gamifying collectibles in a way. Yeah. Like, did you collect anything when you were young, Jackie?
3: I also collected hockey cards. Ooh. Yeah, but I, you know, the thing I was most proud of collecting was I collected candy. <laughs> wow. yeah. You didn't eat it? No, because well, I wasn't allowed to eat it. But then when I started getting allowance money, I decided I was just gonna start collecting trying to get one of every different kind of candy yes. and then in true me style one day I was like yeah I'm kind of done with this and I just put it all in a bag and just gave it to my cousin I just didn't care anymore You're I was like it. I think I'm I think I've done it You've done I've, yeah. yeah like I didn't look at it Never looked back on that candy collection.
2: Probably had some like Spice Girls chewing gum or like... No,
3: I was too old for that. (laughs) Shoot. I remember that. You remember those? Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) I collected them. I collected them, yeah. (laughs) I just just got it for the gum. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I didn't
1: have those like little pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but It's so interesting too because I think it ties to like this idea of community, which is something that we're all looking to create. And online, we can find it with people that are across the world from us. And when you think about like collectibles and all of this, it's this longing, I think, to belong somewhere and to have like a group. So you might not you might have your physical like proximity, close friends that you see regularly that you would never say, oh, check out my like online sneaker connection or collection. But you would have friends online that exist that like have the same passion Mm -hmm. for for these things these collectibles and in that way and it's not even necessarily like a flex it can be to be like oh i got this like rare piece but it's also like that sense of belonging which is really curious to me to think about like that that sense which we only really used to get by being with people in a physical sense has so quickly ported into online realities or like what I guess we could call like the metaverse where less and less it's about physical in-person connections and it's more about I hang with my online people which like when I engage with young people which I do every day I hear that more and more well, I don't have any friends here I hang out with people online hmm. and I was like I I couldn't think of a more opposite experience of my youth mm-hmm. right and like yep. so it's just interesting how it's is all levels of of business of friendship of collection like it's all porting over into this online world and the value that we ascribe to it is is our own to say whereas like in the past we'd say oh that's absurd that you want to like live online or have these collectibles online you're going to miss out on the the experience of true friendship to which people would say no i'm not like Mm -hmm. i'm totally experiencing true friendship it's just like mediated through rather than going to a bar like we log in right
3: and in some ways, it makes it so much easier for because I remember one of the hardest things when I was growing up is that I didn't know anyone like me, and I couldn't meet anyone with the with the same ideas, or and I always felt like an outsider. And so when you open up the world, it it allows you to find belonging so much earlier in life, maybe.
2: Right. Yeah. And there's and make, no borders make, or barriers when. You know, the metaverse is infinite. I was going
0: to say, make no mistake that like for a long time yet, people are still going to be like, that's absurd. Yes. Or be like, don't be ridiculous. You know, get outside and and talk to somebody in person. But I think the difference now is we're reaching that point finally where it used to be that those people would feel shunned. It might, you know, hurt their self-esteem. They might be like, I'm an outcast. I mean, we're getting to that point where you're starting to see signs of the transition where a lot of those people are just like, okay, like I think you have your head stuck in the past and I have, you know, my group of people, my community who we all know that you're wrong or we all know that what we're doing is something different, but it's, you know, to be respected and it doesn't matter if you don't like what I'm doing. You can call it absurd you don't understand it whatever that may be but it's happening Mm. right and that's i think the difference from like when we were growing up Mm -hmm. because as soon as you started having your own ideas and doing things like that you were suddenly part of this small group of people that were like oh they have these weird interests or like they're they're so obscure whereas now i mean i think that if somebody has never heard about an online community or you know again metaverse bringing all these terms into it or you know, what have you, they might think that way. They might be like, you know, live a real life, buddy. Like, you know, what you're doing is absurd. Those people aren't going to waste a time, you know, thinking about what you said to them. They're just going to be like, okay, buddy, like yeah. I- I'm off to meet, like, cause all that's what all my friends are doing. And this is my life. Yeah. Right. So you just don't get it. Yeah. You just don't get it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of like we're reaching that point where there's going to be a transition where, I mean, I don't know, I, I can't say how long, but I would, I think within the next, I would say 10 to 20 years, that crosses over and there's going to be more people like that than the Mm -hmm. people who are like, you're weird for doing that. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
3: what are your thoughts on this fascination with like people like Ki Z, how do you pronounce her name? Leaky, Shi. you know, that really famous vlogger, From China, she lives in rural China. She creates. Have you guys? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you guys heard of her? Okay, so she's this really famous vlogger. She has something like, I don't know, sixty million, or I don't even know how many millions of followers. Like every video she has, like has like forty million views, and she's just this, you know, woman that lives in the rural countryside of Sichuan, and each video is just her doing one ingredient. So she'll say, life of, you know, wheat. Then it's this time lapse and these very kind of sensual uh, video, like clips of her planting wheat, you know, cutting the wheat, separating the wheat from the chaff, then grinding her own flour and then making this like Chinese bread and then feeding her grandmother. And it's like, it's there's nothing really said in the video but it's all about this rural fantasy life where everything is uh just tactile Mm -hmm. and I mean she she gets made fun of a lot because it's so over the top so for example like she'll go foraging in, in the forest for mushrooms but before she does that she stops to forage for uh leaves to weave a basket in which she puts the mushrooms and then she goes back down to her village to cook the mushrooms so it's a little bit crazy but she's got she's probably the biggest vlogger uh on youtube and i feel like there is still this fascination with the complete opposite so
0: i think she's she's very big um com- like if you combine her channels because she's actually on a bunch of different social channels that we don't even yeah. like use here right in mm-hmm. china for example um but i know exactly who jackie's talking about and you know like there's various qualities to the videos that she puts out right it's part ASMR it's part like the beautiful quality of just the filmmaking it's the you know it's it's like somebody's teaching you how to cook without the the steps Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's like there's just sorry (laughs) Um, busy man yeah and so so yeah I mean I, I don't know if that's quite related that's more like an escape for a lot of people like just you know seeing some I mean, there's a there's a whole bunch of, of people that put out content like that now, like different experiences. Like, have you ever seen um, I mean, not quite the same, but like a walk through Tokyo in the rain. Right. Right. And it's like a five hour video um, yeah. and
1: and and it gets millions of views. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, I wonder I wonder if there's something to that where like the the kind of analog, like old school experience will be portrayed through these mediums and that it'll be something that's like uh like idolized or venerated as like this way of life that existed or some people still live this way but it's something you can participate in just by like watching it or observing it but not actually doing it and if that's like part of the whole move is you don't have to do it you can like watch it to get that Mm -hmm. experience because like I'm never going to go forage a leaf basket and then mushrooms in rural China. You're but not like, going
3: to grow your own wheat and make your own flour. Why, why limit what? yourself? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> dream big. Come on, Dean. Yeah. Don't limit <laughs> yourself, Dean.
0: Look at the wilderness outside your window.
3: Yeah, it's right here.
1: Yeah. But like, I, I wonder if people will just be content finding pleasure in like the digital version of that
3: mm. rather
1: than being like, oh, this is something I should go
3: do. What cannot be? Okay, I don't mean to sound like such a dinosaur, but I was I was already born a sixty year old woman, so you know I can confirm (laughs) that
0: based on your music (laughs) taste.
3: It's very true. I love the Beatles, Uh, but I mean, and and I'm for sure open to the idea that the world is uh, has already changed in many ways, and I've benefited from it, obviously. But there there are things. I mean, there have to has to be things that still cannot be experienced digitally like travel and food and do you think that those do you think that those things will remain somewhat untouched from being purely digital no really food come on really I mean who's to
0: say like what what sensory things can be tapped into with technology in in the coming years I mean I'm not going to say no this is going to take a while. I mean, am I a futurist? I don't know, maybe. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, like, I mean, years ago when we were talking to tourism bureaus, they were already looking into, you know, VR virtual experiences. Because, I mean, I, we, we run a, a really big travel channel. A lot of people don't know this, but we run at, at Canada on Instagram. And there's a really large following from around the world. And when I go through those comments, it's really interesting because there are literally on almost every post people that are like, I love Canada so much, but I don't think I'll ever be able to visit or see it in real life. Or my dream is to like see it in real life. So imagine if, and this is really within grasp, like we're talking in the next couple of years, right? Imagine you can't come to Canada. Let's deliver Canada to you so you can have a virtual sensory experience, you know, even though you're living in, I'm just going to, you know, throw out a country, but let's, let's say you're, let's say you're living in Siberia. And you, know, you can't imagine what it would be like to experience like you know sunshine in the Okanagan and the wine tour or whatever. So you bring that to them as a virtual experience. You bring chefs and you know, sommeliers and things like that to lend that the realism of it. And you serve that while they're going through these virtual experiences. I mean, that is well within the grasp and depending on the cost of the technology, not a massive, massive investment. But then once you've delivered that experience, Those people may be inspired or they may get, you you know, it might ignite a passion in them to work double or triply as hard to get here one day, to experience for real, for real, because they fell in love with the virtual experience. Mm -hmm.
2: So what happens to the people... Like uh, Jackie and myself, if we don't adapt, and we're like kind of living in this analog world, nothing re- happens. Reading books. You, I mean, we are at that age where
3: we'll just get old and die. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, oh, the, my God. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I, I don't. The world is not
0: going to change over completely either way, and not for a long, long time. Okay. Mm. I mean, even if we look, think back to like all these science fiction movies that we see. I mean, you guys have all seen movies where people are living in, in like colonies and yes. on Mars or whatever. There's still these pockets of people that are like you know, trading real tools or like old transistor radios because they're like, you know, this is the past that we know. I mean, that is thousands of years away. Right. But I mean, there's there's room for both. All all I'm getting at is, like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, we're at that point where there's a transit where you can see the transition. It's no longer like, don't be ridiculous. Real is best. Real is the only way. And the people that don't necessarily believe that, like kind of be like, oh, okay, like maybe you're right. That's not we're at that point where people are like, Hmm, I think you're wrong. Yeah. And I, I can start living my life the way that I want to potentially virtually, and you can keep doing the things, the things that you want to, we can coexist, right? There's options for both and businesses, you know, marketers, they just need to adapt because you can now like, you know, market and sell your services to both. Mm. Right. So I don't think it's the kind of thing where it's like, Ooh, I'm a dinosaur and I'm going to be left behind. Okay. I mean, you don't have to partake for now. So it's but, like an
2: evolution of community in a sense. There'll be community yeah. for the knitting clubs of the world, and there'll be community <laughs> for the curlers of the world, and there'll be community for you know those that are more versed and comfortable and find their their people online. It's like uh, just more acceptance in a way. Yeah, I mean these the conversations that we're having are super interesting, but it's not like 2024
0: is a deadline. Yeah, right? yeah you never exactly. get to travel again. Yeah. Everything is going to take place in the pod in your home. Like that's not going to happen, yeah. right? This is, yeah. it, it's it's not going to go away. Black Mirror so. podcast,
2: here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but if anything, like COVID, might have put a put like a little uh, extra oomph behind it's accelerated some of for sure. Because right? like we all thought, oh, you could never do business from home and yep. work from. And now, for the last you know eighteen twenty four months, people have been doing things that they never thought they would do, and businesses have cha- fundamentally changed the way they operate in response. And now a lot of them are going do we go back? Like, do we go back to how things were or do we continue to like evolve forward from this? And so in some ways it's been put on, you know, fast forward towards that in a lot of ways. One of the things that I wonder about, and Reese, you might be able to speak to this is like, you know, that kind of arise in the last decade or so of like hipster culture, which was this highly analog, like vintage, like, you know, people were buying vinyl again and getting records over CDs or MP3s and all this. And this kind of aesthetic to be like, more you know hands-on and analog in their approach to life in terms of like even things like shooting film right so a lot of people went from highly digital images to like oh we shoot film now Mm -hmm. but also still producing digital images do you think uh let's say again we're just like prognosticating here about the future of being futurist or whatever but like is there room for both in the future where, just like how you could say, oh, both, you know, the people who live mostly online and want to be like the dinosaurs and we'll listen to the Beatles on vinyl together, (laughs) right? With our coffee mugs. (laughs) But like, will will there be like a resurgence, do you think, simultaneously with things like film or like these more analog practices as like kind of maybe a, a resistance or rebellion to online life?
0: I mean, the way that I look at it is is not just room for both. I think there's room for all three because I think there are actually three things, right? There's what you talk about, which is the pursuit of the analog and, you know, things from a, a better time, the simple life, whatever it is that you want to call it, like, yeah. you know, mechanical things. Right. And then the future is what we're talking about like when it comes to NFTs or purely digital things or the metaverse. or owning things in a digital wallet, right? Like that's, that's the future. That's, I mean, people are doing it already now, but it's still considered the future. And there's a lot of things we haven't gotten into yet, like how those technologies can be used in day-to-day life, right? Mortgage contracts, movie tickets, prescriptions, like what have you, bus tickets, like all those things can start becoming fully digital in ways that are not how we know them today. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is the third thing, which is the present. I mean, you're you're already uploading photographs of yourselves, your loved ones, the places you visit online. They're digital representations. They're just familiar, right? They're photographs that you put online, but they live in a server somewhere, you know, in the US, in China, wherever. Maybe at the same time in multiple parts around the world, right? Some country, God forbid, gets blown up. Your pictures still live because they are, you know, backed everywhere. Those things are digital representations that are persistent, Right. So that's the third thing. And we're already all living it. So if you take this conversation back 20 years, the way that you're saying like, Hey, the future, like, I don't get it. I don't think I'll ever be a part of that is how people would have looked at what we're doing right now with mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Yes. Right. So there's really three and, and I don't think that any of them are going away. So
3: yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just makes me think of all the conversations that I have with with moms and what they have to do in order to understand what their kids are doing so that they can they can somewhat manage the the threat factors of I don't know being online and having an online presence I'm having a very mild panic attack about the things that I'll have to do in 15 years or maybe it's going to be less than 15 years I don't know I've never been a parent but like Thinking about that, like, what am I going to have to learn to in order to keep my child from, I don't know, whatever digital threats there are in the future? Do you guys think about this at all as parents? Uh,
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, I I mostly think about, like, moving to Salt Spring and, like, (laughs) running away from everything. But. And buying vinyls. And buying vinyls and growing growing my own (laughs) (laughs) shooting film. But, yeah, totally, I think, like, I mean, I saw a funny tweet the other day, and uh, I, maybe it's insensitive, but I, I had a, a laugh at it. Like, my first thought was, "You have to be." When we grew up, you know, there was physical bullying or any of that, you know. But it was always in person. Once you went home, you know, that was your safe space. Now, there's online bullying, and you know, different versions of social life that you have to be aware of uh catfish, predators, all that. I mean I'm focusing on the, the negative things, but I saw this tweet and it kinda made me laugh and he was like When I was a kid and I got bullied, you know, there was no turning it off. When I get online bullied now I just turn my computer off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which maybe is insensitive, but I kinda had a laugh, you know, yeah, like you yeah. can like, you know, turn off the trolls and turn off the haters. Yeah. Um if they're digital you just, you know, unplug
3: yeah, in person, they follow you home. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So I kind of had a laugh at that, and yeah. maybe, maybe there's some truth in it that we can like choose. We can be more intentional in what we participate in. If there's mm-hmm. a space, whether digital or in person, that's making us feel unsafe or threatened, like our our participation, mm-hmm. some of it uh, we can opt out of.
3: Well, and hopefully with every generation they get more sophisticated about their own, um, boundaries. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we grew up, I mean, for me, I think I first logged onto the internet at like age 13 or yeah. something. I was like, what is this? Dial up. Yeah. <laughs> dial up. Um, screech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, it's really, there's not, not a whole lot of sophistication in this generation about, you know how does this what role does technology play in your life in this so it feels like we're almost toddlers being mm-hmm. like all or nothing this food's going in the mouth or i'm spitting it out or you yeah. know so it, yeah
2: <laughs> it's a good image it's a good analogy yeah. i don't know
3: I, i'm just getting ready guys with yeah. my with my <laughs> metaphors so
2: you them. well should we um what do you think podcast boss um oh. i yes, was, boss. podcast boss over i gotta run this by you i've got a question idea
3: oh yeah okay what do you think yeah there's a direction that
2: I was curious about (laughs) with uh, my man Maurice over here just like going we're going from digital to to analog here that'll be one of our themes (laughs) you know we haven't traveled a lot in the last few years and you've been someone that has seen a lot of the world and uh, you know for those who are listening like a lot of us have wanderlust once again and or having some of those experiences through Instagram or YouTube or whatever it might be. But I just wanted to, you know, dive into your life as a wonder and adventure and like, almost like finding, you know, I was listening to your podcast with, uh, with Mae Lobis and how you were explaining like the stay part, and, you know, how you might stay for a while to capture a photo. And mm-hmm. I just thought like, the meditative process of like, being almost immersed in your surrounding to capture that photo like becoming one with with where you are um so if we could talk a little bit about you know wandering the world and and finding intention and mindfulness through your practice of photography are we is that okay to go that
3: direction I I totally green light this. Go okay. for it now. <laughs> so I, I guess just <laughs> sign off. Sign, I got sign off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're good to go. To the top. <laughs> We've been green
0: lit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess just to, I guess to explain to your listeners what you're referring to, um, the, the name of my company, Stay and Wander, um, where it comes from, like a lot of people think it has to do with like, oh, that's perfect for like hotels and for travel. And it is but the the original intent was like name came from how uh when you travel like sometimes it takes a lot of patience and investment in time and planning to capture a moment the the moment that you want as a photographer and so whether you are you know waiting for the sun to set or rise in the rockies or waiting to capture that perfect composition in like a really busy intersection in hong kong as like buses and people are whizzing by you know like i can sit in the same stand in the same place for you know two three hours sometimes to get the shot that i want and then walk away satisfied and that's where that the stay part of stay in water actually comes from so i mean i've never really thought about it in terms of like you know meditation and and the mindfulness aspect of it but um I guess now when you forced me to think about it, that's, (laughs) that's really what's happening. Like when, when those moments and, and those are just two examples, but they happen all the time. Like, you know, sometimes that's why I think I prefer to travel by myself because I can literally spend an entire day doing only two or three things because I've spent an hour or two or three standing at a nondescript, like corner of a street in a city waiting to get the right shot. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, in those moments, like, I don't feel like, gosh, let's get this over with, or like, you know, time's running out. I got to get moving. Or, you know, what am I doing with my day? Like I'm in a different country. I'm just there to try and like, like I'm just totally at peace waiting to, to create the moment that I'm looking for. Mm. So, um, and I feel like some of like my, uh, my best work in my own opinion, like my favorite photographs that I've taken have come about because I ju- I put in that extra time, so like if I had left, uh, you know, fifteen minutes in advance or half an hour in advance and given up, if you will, then I wouldn't have got the the shot that I eventually wanted. And I can't remember if we discussed this on the podcast that you're referring to. The there's this one shot in a field of red plants in, yes. in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that photo. Yeah, so I mean, I'll spare you all the details like leading up to it, but basically there's this place that's completely it's very crowded. It's uh, only during October, um, these plants in this field, they're called cochia plants or these round balls. They turn this fiery red and they're different colors at the at different times of year, but only at this one time, are they this, this crazy red color. And I ran in an opening, scouted it out, took all the photos I wanted filled up. There was no way to compose like the picture that I wanted, but I stayed and basically just like camped out trying to get, you know, a shot that satisfied me. And I think probably my third hour in, this woman, like another just random visitor, just appeared out of nowhere. She was wearing like, you know, a a bright blue, I think like sorry or, or, you know, full body dress. And it was a perfect complement to the plants. And I had a chance just to get off this one shot because, you know, it was the only time that she was completely isolated in the frame and yeah it just turned out to be one of my favorite photographs ever like the moment that was captured um i guess like you know people that follow me on instagram or have seen that photo like online it really resonates with them also it's just a perfect blend of not just the colors and the the person the pose the model but also she has a serene look on her face like literally you, you can see her enjoying taking in like the beauty around her the same way that i was but you know from a like a distant like sort of larger perspective and so it worked in so many ways and and like I guess like you're saying like if I didn't just kind of shut myself off and wait for that moment I would have left probably two hours before that um and just said you know I'm done and let's move on to something else but Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just something I guess I don't know I guess I'm I'm some people call me slow like my partner but I'm patient um I like to to look for moments like that so
3: do you already have an image in your mind that you want to capture when you're going to a spot? Or is it a combination of you waiting for serendipity like that?
0: It's, it's definitely a combination, like depending on where you go. Sometimes there's like a there's a shot that you have an idea of a shot that you want to get, but you want to put your own spin on it. Um, a lot of times there are places where you can't do that. And, you know, there's so many variables, light, you know, composition, like other things that happen to be around but in this case like i would say it's more harkens back to like i i have a so my original passions for photography are architectural photography like i love spaces angles uh lines like those are the things that i really love and how i can like fit all those in a composition and make them look you know uh great and then the other thing that i really like is street photography and so street photography is something that i never publish Like if you look through my Instagram, my website, like you don't see that kind of stuff anywhere. The only way you would know that exists is because sometimes I'll mention it and talk about it. But I have huge compendiums of street photography because I'm really interested in seeing like what I can capture when people aren't posed. And it's not even about the technical like specs of those photos. It's more just typically I'll shoot those in black and white. So it's like waiting for moments like randomly trying to capture people walking on the bus, you know, in whatever they're doing, like living their lives. And so these are very personal to me because they, I, I don't show them, mm-hmm. right? That, I mean, it's not that I'm like against showing them. It's just I've never even really thought to because I'm like, this is all just stuff that I like to shoot. And when I look back, I think of, oh yeah, I was there that day. And I, I remember like, at the racetrack and and the lights lit up and it everybody was holding newspapers because they were you know in hong kong for example looking at the different like horses and and where they were ranking and when the floodlights came up like all those newspapers lit up right in in bright white with human figures in black like behind them and so it just takes me back to that day because like that moment doesn't happen anywhere else like i don't experience that again or you know I, i'll remember stuff like um like a, an expat, like businessman in Hong Kong, like running for a bus, you know, and it's, it's kind of an odd thing because he's wearing a really nice suit. And typically those buses are often filled with, you know, locals, right. And it's somewhat odd. I mean, at least at that time when I took it for someone so well-dressed who you would think might live, you know, where the expats all live in a certain area instead he was like trying to bolt it to like cram himself onto this bus. And so that snapshot reminds me of that moment and just the things that I was thinking. And oftentimes like, you know, you know me, right? Like, it's like, oh, what else I did that day? What I ate, you know, things like that, right? Yeah. So just these little like stories that are associated with each photo. And so, so yeah, that, that that's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's what I what I enjoy. Like the, that's really the the thing that I do for myself. A lot of the other things that I do, I feel like I do for myself, but I also like to share. And so I feel like, they're partially for other people where I think oh I really like this photo or this scene but I feel like other people might enjoy this too so let's make something you know really cool or really beautiful that we can all enjoy together
3: are the are the memories or the story behind the photograph the thing that you love most about photography like what for me to sit somewhere for three hours or an entire day to get one thing I would really have to either enjoy the process of sitting there or the end needs to, what's the expression? The means need to meet the end or whatever it is, where you want, there's a, there's a delayed satisfaction and that thing is so important that I'll, I'm willing to do it. For you, what is that clincher that makes you say, no, I'm going to sit here and wait for three hours? What's the joy?
0: I think that, and I don't know if this is a positive for everybody, but I think maybe it's like this sense of perfectionism. Because I'll I can take a photo and walk away. But I'll look at that photo and be like, you know, this photo isn't exactly what I want, what I envision, and it's difficult because I'm not posing people. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of it for me is this puzzle of having things happen naturally in a way so that the so that the puzzle results in a composition that is 100% pleasing to me, right? Like, I mean, again, some of the, like, over three hours, I could take a 1,000 photos of the exact same, you know, general composition. But I'll be like, well, it would be great if a bus was here and somebody was crossing the street here. And this sign in the background, like digital sign, was showing this and not showing this. And there's also like, you know, if there were people covering this part of the of the crosswalk and balancing out the left side of the cross, crosswalk, right? And so for me, it's like, I know because when I'm taking those photos, they're not what I want until I get what I want. Mm-hmm. And then when I get it, I'm like, that's it. I'm shutting it down. I'm going to like eat ramen or whatever it is, right? Like it's <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it, but that's... um. I, get, I mean to me, I, I'm not a great artist in other ways, right but you know for example, my partner, she's a great artist. But what, uh, what I would liken it to is if you're a painter, I mean you might paint 20 different paintings and crumple up and crumple up and throw, throw it away and start over or have to like repaint certain sections till you get the painting right. Like it's mm. what you want to portray. And so, or capture in this case. But but I think that's what it is for me. Like I, I need it to be, I, I mean, there's lots of times where I walk away and I don't 100% get what I want. Just because for whatever reason, I need to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. But when I when I have the chance and the luxury to do so, I will put in the time to make sure that I'm satisfied with, with what I'm making.
3: I get that. Yeah. I get it. Because there are times, I mean, even when I was a designer, I would sit in front of a computer and move, I don't know, a block of text or something two millimeters to the left. No, two millimeters back to the right. No, two millimeters up exactly. and to the left. And I could do that for an hour until I felt like I found the, the spot that I was like, that's it. And then, and then I could feel like I could breathe mm-hmm. and then you move on with your day. <laughs> but yeah. until that happens, until you feel like you've got it, it, it just, you, you, You'll always see it and go, it was it wasn't right. And that's so annoying with that. Happens. Well,
0: the, the funny thing is that there I mean, that's just capturing the photo because there's also editing the photo. Yeah. Right. And so I, I would like him what you just explained more to editing the photo because you have control over all those elements. It's like, oh, I think it should be a touch brighter, I think it should be a touch more contrast. Like you can spend hours just adjusting those things. Mm-hmm. But for me it's like the earlier part is just establishing the canvas of mm-hmm. what you're like working with, right? And And because I can't like be like, Hey, can you, I mean, I mean, there are really, really excellent photographers who stage every part of their photographs and that takes a different kind of time and patience and expense. I mean, I, I, that's just not my style of photography, but there are amazing, amazing results. When you, when you approach things that way or working with models or working with, you know, whatever it is, props, vehicles, like I just, my thing is I don't do any of that. So I have to rely on the world. Right. to help me get things right right so
2: what kind of forces you to be very present with your surroundings and you like kind of become the camera kind of gives you permission to observe in a way that you might not otherwise like uh it's kind of rebellious in that sense where we live in this world of distraction but you're hyper present when you're behind the camera at least hyper present to what is within that kind of uh that lens you know yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because there's
0: there's always this um I hear people make this criticism sometimes they're like hey when you travel why don't you take less photos so you can like fully experience a place and I'm like I mean I respect your opinion I guess but I mean I don't think you've experienced some of these places the way I have yes because I know like I know how the world turns in this area over the course of half a day
2: you like could I notice, speak to the detail of yeah, one place, exactly in the world.
0: I see people like you know, showing up to work, leaving from work, going to lunch. Like I, I see what bus the bus timing. You know, I mean, depending on what it is and and where we're talking about, like that applies to cities, that applies to nature. Like I, uh, I do also put down the camera and experience those things, but I, I think there's room for both.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, doesn't, uh, exclu- it's not exclusive. No, I don't think so at all. Where some people say, oh, you travel with the camera and all you're doing is looking through the viewfinder yeah. and taking photos. It's like, you're not experiencing the place. It harkens back to the conversation of like, oh, you're living in this online world. You're not experiencing joy. Right. People are like, no, I, I really am. Yeah. Like I'm the most joyful I've ever been just because I'm doing it through whatever device. Yeah. 100%. Interesting. It sounds so cool the way you like, are, are so intentional The way you want to curate and create an image capture an image but yet you like surrender to everything around you that will either like like you you it's out of your control you know what you want it to be and like you may you may not get it exactly right but like sometimes waiting and being patient for that image or that person to cross here or those people to be there while the bus is here like that to me is just so uh like I get it on one level. Like I'm not a, I love photography. I'm not a great photographer, I wish I was, but I love that because it's that like commitment to your craft while being open to the fact that like there's other elements at play that you can't control. And I think that's like. It's
2: almost like gardening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where yeah. I'm going, but like, you know, you you can plant the seed and you can, you know, have the best soil, but you can't control the weather and you can't control how much sunlight and you can't control, you know, the pests and all of that. And, um, but at the end of the day, if you're there when that, uh, you know, that flower blooms or that, you know, seed turns into an apple, there's like, there's magic there, right? Yeah.
3: And, and also there's a, such a huge difference because I've, I've tried to be two different types of designers, you know, one that Sort of allows things and requires a lot of patience. And then the one that is hyper controlled and every every vignette is like looked at from every angle. And I fiddle with you know with all the objects to make sure it's perfect. But there's something about allow being present and capturing something that's uh, that's out of your control that presents beauty that you would never have been able to conjure up in your own imagination so had you wanted to um hire a model dress her for that one photograph you may not have chosen that blue or that dress or that model or that expression and so it 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 sort of speaks to the idea that sometimes you know we aren't the best creators even though we think we might be you know Mm -hmm. so that's
2: Who's the Vancouver photographer? Jeff Wall, Jeff Wall. He is that his name? Am I getting that right? He like would stage real life scenarios, but it was all set and actors, and that was oh, like really? kind of his. Am I getting that right? Well, there's the famous
0: piece at um, uh, SFU downtown. Yeah, of the Gastown riots. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's completely staged. Yes. So I mean, it's like a scene where there's literally a hundred things going on. And And every single one of them is staged, right? But it looks like captured mid-riot. You have to really look to be like, like there are so many things happening in this photo.
2: Even like photographies of uh, photographs of like his bedroom or whatever. It all be like reconstructed. Wow. Um, Yeah.
3: That's really neat. Yeah,
2: interesting to like just kind of play on emotion and and kind of the experience of the viewer versus reality versus You know, yeah. What what is created for us versus by us, kind of thing. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But I think there's a there's a place for all, right? Like there are people who, I mean, even some of the photos that I've taken, you take the time, the money, the investment. You could make a scene like that out of your imagination. It's a different kind of talent. Yes. Right. Whereas for me, it's like I want to see what the world gives me. But it's given me a lot, and so I want the one thing that makes that makes sense for me, right? So,
2: wow, very cool. Yeah, Uh, Jackie, what any other directions you want to go here? I've got I've got some questions, but uh, you're you're the head honcho here.
3: I I mean I feel like you did a really great job last time, so I'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) let you take the lead. I'll throw some topics
2: out, (laughs) and then uh, I'll let the both of you jam. just going back to travel, like you guys are both wonders. You both have like seen the world and, you know, those experiences have kind of defined the person that you both are today. Are there places um, that you can't wait to get back to or places on your bucket list that you have yet to experience that you're waiting for COVID to lighten up and, I don't know where to start
0: for me. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much of the world that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, And I'm one of those people who is also a repeat traveler. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't feel like you don't really truly know a place until you've gone back a few times. Yeah. And I'm also one of those people that, I mean, partially because I've chosen this kind of life but partially just because that's the also the type of person I am. I When I'm in a place and I'm like, time is running out, like what, you know, I need to fill the days here. Like I don't panic because I'm always like, well, I'm just, I'm gonna come back. And when I say I'm gonna come back, I in my heart, I know that I'll come back. Whereas I know that there are a lot of people who when they travel, they wanna cram everything into like, you know, a week or 10 days. And when they're running out of time, they're like, there's so much left to see. But then in their next breath, they're like, oh, well, I mean, I'm never going to come back here again. It's like, why? I mean, because to them, you know, this has been checked off. So they're going to go somewhere else next time and they'll never come back. And I'm just, I'm just not that type of person. Like, I mean, Jackie, you probably know this, but I like, I've been to Tokyo like 40 times and every time I leave feeling like I've just scratched the surface, like there's so much to see and do and maybe it's just because of my own interests like sh- like i don't sure if you're just purely checking off like you know i guess tourist things to do then maybe you can knock them out in one or two trips so you- what
2: what brings you back i mean i can i can resonate with this because for me i could go back to india or nepal like a million times and yeah. never see any other place in the world uh what brings you back to tokyo 40 times like what about that place
0: I think, it, you know, it's a place that's so steeped in, in history, but also it's so big and ever-changing. I mean, the same way that, and Jackie, you can relate to this, but you know, when you're away in Paris for a while and you come back and you're like, oh, Vancouver's kind of changed, like new restaurants have opened up, like this is hot now, or this is no longer, you know, that interesting or good, mm-hmm. or this other thing opened, so maybe I'll check it out. Well, I mean, just imagine that to the nth degree, when you're in Tokyo, and so it's like every few years you go back, or every other year, there's new restaurants to try, there's new neighborhoods that have sprung up and evolved, that are growing in different ways. And you know, to begin with, there are so many different neighborhoods to explore, and they all have different characters. Um, never mind that, but just outside of Tokyo, there's like nature, there's you know mountains, there's like waterfalls. There's, I mean, and then there's the rest. Of, so you know, I mean, that's just one city, one country, one example. But I'm almost the type of person who I get in trouble because I, I would almost rather continuing, ten, continually go back to a place to get to know it. And so in that sense, I don't get to as many places as I could. Mm. Um, I mean, just in the past couple of years pre-pandemic, I mean, I had sort of fallen back in love with London and was starting to go to London like three or four times a year. And so when you do that, All the things that you check off that are surface, you can start doing different things, going to different neighborhoods. Like, I mean, one of my favorite things to do, as you know, is eat what the locals eat. And I don't necessarily mean like, um, you know, staying completely away from anything that's hot or on a list or whatever. But I just mean like, you know, I don't need to have five star or four star meals. I can, or sorry, three star when it comes to Michelin, but you know what I mean? Like highly (laughs) rated meals. But I like to go like where cab drivers eat or like, you know, recommendations from my friends who, you know, their go-to spots that they wouldn't recommend if you're like a visitor, who's been to, going to London for the first time and probably not coming back for 10 years, but like, Hey, where do you go? Like, what's your favorite jam like in you know your neighborhood or close by? Like that's my favorite thing to kind of check off. And the bigger that a city gets, the more places like that there are. Right. So, um, So, yeah, I think that that for me is like I'm anxious to get back to that, to resume my to resume resuming my love affairs of all these cities that I really love. But then, yeah, there are also lots of places that I do want to see for the first time. It's just trying to balance like how much time there is to travel and then also balance that with work. Right. So
3: I can personally attest to the fact that Maurice is the (laughs) best person to travel with when you want to eat well, because he'll just say, well, what? For example, we were in Hong Kong and I can't remember what it was, but he was like, what do you feel like? And I just, I usually just say, okay, you drive, like you you pick whatever you think I need to eat. And he'll take me to these small like alleys where he'll describe the five restaurants on the alley. That's uh, really worth checking out. But we're going to, I chose this one specifically for this one dish because they do. And he gets so he's so meticulous and so well educated about the dish that you feel like you're going on a food tour constantly. And also the other thing that I was thinking of is the other day we went out to eat at a Hong Kong style cafe. And you said one thing that I was like, oh, that's, that's so Maurice is we were talking about how I was going to go to a movie later on that night. And how I love those VIP theaters that bring food to your seat and then you can eat while you're watching like a Marvel movie. (laughs) It's just this amazing experience for me. And Maurice is like, no, I like to take my time with food and I like to see it. Like I don't like to eat in the dark. And I was like, yeah, that's so Maurice. And I think you approach travel the same way where you, even though you've eaten that thing before, like a burger's a burger at the movie theater, you still want to see it and you still want to you, you don't want to be distracted and you still want to take your time and enjoy the thing that you've experienced before and i i feel like that i was like yep that's very maurice mm-hmm. yeah i
0: also don't like like sauces and stuff going all over my hands <laughs> yeah. like, you, know. <laughs> you can't leave to wash your hands when like. Uh, just practically halfway yeah. through marvel yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good but yeah no i mean I, yeah i mean that's true like i i like to I don't know, it's weird, right? Because I, for years I had this aversion to being called like a foodie because I I don't, well, more so now since the pandemic, but I don't really cook. So I always felt like for me it was like a personal um, weakness is not the right word. It's just something that I didn't have in my repertoire. Like I didn't know how to really cook fantastic dishes because I didn't know the basics of cooking. And so because of that, I felt like I wasn't qualified to be any kind of authority on food. Right. But over the years, I've realized, like, I just have a, a, a taste and like, I guess, an appreciation and it lines up with a fair number of people that I know. And there are probably people who try what I like and are like, why? What is that? I don't like that at all. Fair enough, because it goes both ways. Right. There are people who whose tastes you just don't drive with. But what I do do is put a lot of time into, like, seeking things out and. Um, researching things but also not placing everything into research i leave room for like you know i don't always care what a food critic thinks but i care what people think or like what people that have similar tastes as i do think because that i think is the most important Mm -hmm. um so as a result of that like i mean i i guess yeah i'll admit to being somebody who's driven by like you know seeking great food experiences because that to me is part of the the whole travel experience in addition to photographs and seeing things with my eyes and experiencing things, but also eating things and,
1: you know, the atmosphere that's involved. And so, yeah. That's good. A friend of mine has a story where he took a bunch of youth to New York City. They'd never been, they'd never been like out of Canada or whatever. And so they had like an evening free and he's like, okay, we're, they were literally at like Times Square. He's like, you can go anywhere. We'll be back like three hours, explore make sure you like go check out some restaurants, like go eat something for dinner, right? It's like your evening. out, And they all met up afterwards and he's like, okay, like, what did you guys do? Where'd you go? And they're like, we went to the Olive Garden <laughs> in Times Square. And they were like, mind blown because there's an Olive Garden in Times Square. And he was just like, you went to the Olive Garden. <laughs> like we're in New York City, like downtown. And,
0: uh, <laughs> you, you, know what, you know, it's really funny that you bring that up because I just had, a conversation about the, well, a short conversation about the Olive Garden with my friend the other day. Um, She lives in the Bay area. And if you like follow her on Instagram, it's clear that she is the most amazing cook. She can cook like, you know, Asian white, like any kind of cuisine, right? Like, and she also, um, has very great taste. She's also I think, a co-investor in a restaurant, like a high-end restaurant. So anyway, I, you know, like I think it's clear that you can vouch for her like knowledge of food and things like that. And the conversation came up about people like trashing on Olive Garden, and she was like, she posted this thing on Instagram. She said, you know, I can't understand like why people trash this place. Like objectively, Olive Garden is tasty. Like it's it's good. Like it's not going to win any awards, and it's not going to be this, and it's not going to be that, but if you like don't like Olive Garden or just trash it like out of hand, I have a problem with you basically. Right. (laughs) And you know, I thought about it and I read that and I was like, you know, I totally agree with you because I mean, especially for us, we don't really have that here, like that type of experience. So I remember the first time I had Olive Garden, I mean, long time ago now in the States, it was a great experience. And what other places serves that quality of, of pasta that's kind of like bottomless and you know, all the other things that come with it. I mean, again, it's not going to be the same as eating at, like, some gourmet pasta place, but it's pretty damn good for, like, a family restaurant um, just to get, like, enjoyment from, right? Over, like, I don't know. That's that's just my take on yeah, Olive there Garden. you go. There you go. Olive <laughs>
2: Garden. Olive Garden. I, th- I, don't, I don't think FDs. I've
3: ever been. I don't think I've ever been to an Olive Garden, but I hear they have bottomless bread sticks. Yes. And salad. I'd I like yeah. some salad good. Is so good. I heard good. the salad is really it's good. It's really good.
1: It's got those little, like, uh, what are they, like, uh, porcini peppers or whatever. Yeah. there. Yeah. I think what it
0: is, is it's never going to win any awards or get any stars or anything like that. But if somebody says to me, like, Olive Garden is straight trash, then I'll raise an eyebrow and be like, really? Like, yeah. can you really say that? it Like, what are you eating every day that that food is like total trash to you, right? Like, I mean, it's pasta. Right, right,
3: right. So my mom used to make um, uh, an Alfredo sauce out of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup.
0: Uh, so... Hello.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I quite enjoyed it. Although one time I decided to make it for a couple of friends of mine in high school. And one of the guys was like, "Mm, this is so good. I think I need to go to the bathroom, though. So he takes his plate with him to the bathroom and flushes it down the toilet. Because I guess not everyone loves a cream of mushroom soup Alfredo.
0: Well, here, like the one I like is cream of chicken with cubed Spam. (laughs)
3: Oh, <laughs> ooh. It's right? very Hong Kong.
0: Well, so and then like someone we both know used to be like that's so disgusting, right? Anytime I brought it up. And then one day this person had it and they were like, "All right, this is really good." <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's like like I mean, that's one of the things that like, my great grandma would cook me, you know, when I was a kid as like a quick meal. Mm-hmm. Right? Just I don't know.
2: I think when like food meets memory in a way that's yeah. like where the magic happens yeah. yeah yeah for sure. it's funny because people listening right now were like initially
0: jackie said that maurice's you know got really good tasting food <laughs> yeah. now he's like no, you know stand for olive garden <laughs> yeah, and, and cream spam. of chicken and spam <laughs> yeah. i don't know
3: what kind of pushback i'm gonna get yeah. about saying that i actually really like cream of mushroom soup alfredo sauce so hey, hey we're in the
2: same boat that'll be in your yeah. sequel jackie
3: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a chapter <laughs> let me just I'll cut this out. Up, Cause up cut this there. part out
2: in the edit yeah <laughs> edit, edit. <laughs> Okay, I, got I really it. recommend not Olive Garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jackie, I have a question for you for Maurice. Inception, here we go. Oh, whoa. You mentioned that Maurice is your go-to guy for advice on absolutely anything. Yeah. Is there any advice that you want to ask of
3: Maurice? Oh, like right now? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so hard cuz I used to go to him. I used to go to you a lot for dating advice actually.
0: Dating and business advice was a really interesting okay. combo. Yeah, okay. it was,
3: we would start off with business and then end up with dating oftentimes. Mm but now i don't feel like i need dating advice because i'm married and that would be really inappropriate <laughs> yeah. now she
0: comes to me for uh, motherhood advice <laughs> <go>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i
3: just come to you to hold me as i as i slowly cry <laughs> in take, my loss of control take
2: me somewhere to eat <laughs> yeah. yes what's yeah. the best door that'll be the new question yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean i do it's still virtual.
3: ask you a lot about restaurants i don't know what advice do i need right now i don't if i need advice right now it's a it's a but
0: it's a it's a good sign that
2: she doesn't need any advice right now that's great she's
0: in a place where she doesn't need any advice you've obviously steered her right
2: yes way to go oh my gosh
3: the number of times that i was like hey i'm dating this guy and he was just like you were always so supportive but you'd always give me your your honest opinion and you'd say something along the lines of well you know and you'd be so diplomatic there's this side of it but also this might be a red flag and you always give me such good advice this is the
0: thing about me and advice for not just Jackie but any of my friends right it's I'm really objective when it comes to giving advice like like a photographer maybe um (laughs) but I you know I don't like I don't if you come to me for advice I'm not here just to puff you up right and so that works for some of my friends and it doesn't work for others right and so I have really good friends that never come to me for advice and I have other really good friends who always do. Right. And so I think Jackie, what she's really referring to is I remember one time we were in Paris and I think I said something maybe in more diplomatic terms. I was like, Jackie, maybe you're the problem.
3: I don't remember. I was not <laughs> referring to that at all whatsoever. That doesn't <laughs> sound possible, right, Jackie? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> no, you couldn't be the problem. I actually don't remember this conversation.
0: I think it was, um, I think Joe was there too, Joanne. Oh, really? Yeah.
3: And you said that I was the problem, no, which we were is just... very, very plausible. No way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect, you know. What? As as what? much as you'd like to believe, Zach. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no.
0: but that, but I mean, that it says something because I'm I'm comfortable, if not outright saying it, but alluding to that with with Jackie because mm. she'll actually take the advice and at least pretend like she's processing it yeah. you know, until <laughs> until she leaves the, the conversation. Right? Well, so.
3: I, I've always I think that's one common thing with with my close friends is that we're always honest and it we always know that it doesn't come from a place of, you know, meanness or trying to tear the other person down. But with honest um, love and and wanting the other person to thrive and also it comes with a mutual respect where it's like, well, this is my opinion. And if you don't take it, well, that's okay. Cause you know, everyone has a different opinion. But if you're asking me for mine, this is what I honestly think. And I and don't get mad at me yeah. because
0: you asked for my opinion and it's not the opinion you want to hear. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So
1: that's some people ask for advice or opinions and, and really they're asking to validate right just they're, me, they're asking for a cheerleader okay. yeah, yeah yeah right yeah. but this, those are two very i'm not a things. cheerleader <laughs> <laughs> I, I am if you're
0: doing cool stuff right? yeah,
4: yeah yeah
3: and and it, it it also affirms to me that when you do say hey jackie i i think that this is great i i know you're telling me the truth and so i really value that honesty and in, in, in people yeah
2: that's cool all right Maurice, i'm gonna start hitting you up for advice in, in life Gonna blo- block my DMs coming in. Yeah, I'll, Wait, la- I'll he- launch an app soon. i be like Maurice. Do you like the shirt in blue or yellow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's He's the gonna background? take
3: over my advice column. Yeah, soon. guest.
2: Oh, guest host. That's a fun idea. Ask <laughs> yeah. Maurice Lee. That's cool. There
0: we go. I'll just uh, copy paste. Maybe you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> every every answer. Yeah, cool.
2: Let's be I'm like, <laughs> does, this, does that mean he likes blue or yellow? I don't know. <laughs> <Me> either. <laughs>
1: probably the advice that a lot of us need to hear half the time, right?
2: Yeah, probably. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, it is me. (laughs) Well, should we do a little rapid fire? Let's rapid fire it up. I got some rapid fire questions, but Jackie, maybe if you got any, or maybe... I do. You're the boss. Maybe I can start and you can. Uh, yeah, maybe. Our I'm boss a, is such a slacker. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: know. I really do I'm, feel like. It. I'm micromanaging the boss. Okay. You know, it's you're,
2: good. The, you're
0: the puppet master. Yeah, it's true.
3: <laughs> I feel like I'm just on the board at this point. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. That has to be. Yeah, you see how yeah. she took
0: that and elevated it, even yeah. though we were slamming her? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice. I'm just the chairman here, guys. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, yeah. I'll approve it. But... Yeah. I'll approve
2: it. It's just everything has to go through me, but I'm not the boss. I got the stamp on some of my questions that says, J so I think they're okay to ask nice. yeah. <laughs> okay so we usually um, you know wrap our podcast up with a little bit of rapid fire and you know always an invitation for more conversations down the line I kind of made a few notes while we we're chatting of just like you know quick fire questions so here we go you ready and you can answer it as short as long as you want um, what is your favorite pair of shoes oof uh,
0: it's really difficult, but f- probably an old pair of Max ones. It was a collaboration with a Japanese boutique called Atmos. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a, a whole lot more that I can get into about it, but it was a really unique colorway. It's got like really nice earth tones with a purple and also gold foil elements to it. But it's really understated despite that, that appearance, that description.
2: Where point. did you get those shoes?
0: Uh, I think I bought those actually from japan okay um i made a deal like long ago there was a message board i mean it still exists to this day but i'm not active but it's called nike talk and um yeah i had to fly over there and it's it's actually one of the the pairs of shoes that i was referring to earlier where you meet random people you didn't know which was a crazy thing in like the late 90s or whatever right and and you meet up and you swap shoes and go on your way but as a result of those types of interactions, I still keep in touch with people like in the UK and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, back to what we were discussing earlier about finding people that are um, into the same things as you and being able to like connect virtually. I haven't seen these people for 20, 30 years, but we will still talk about our shared interests and hobbies. So
2: that's cool. Very cool. That's cool. Um, Are there any photographers or creatives that inspire you? That you'd be down to give some shout outs to? Uh,
0: like locally, or do you mean more like. Globally,
2: meta, meta <laughs> metaversely?
0: <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many, but uh, one of my favorites is Andreas Gursky. Like, his work just kind of blows my mind. It's everything like from composition patterns to, you know, some of the things we talked about earlier, like staging, just how he's able to compose these mind blowing architectural slash like gigantic scenes um if you guys aren't familiar just maybe google later and you'll see what i mean There, his works are just massive and like expand my mind so sweet yeah
2: okay i got a photography one here where does your memory exist in the experience or in the photograph Ooh. um
0: Where does the memory exist? The memory definitely exists in the moment. Uh, the photograph for me is a reminder of the moment. Cool. So yeah, I like that. It's the NFT of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell you one of one.
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. What is? Uh, we kind of alluded to this, but if you had to go somewhere new, what? Where are you going? Um come back to me on that
0: one.
1: Okay. I've got, I've got a couple of things stirring in my mind, but
4: okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Favorite, uh, favorite travel camera or like street photography
0: camera to use. So these days, uh, hundred percent it's the iPhone. Yeah. Wow. Like it just, um,
2: that's cool.
0: I mean, I'm not a, a, a total gear head kind of photographer. Uh, I can fully appreciate like what advantages and disadvantages gear, you know, offers. Um, or means, uh, but especially in the past couple of, couple of years. And when I say couple of years, obviously I mean, pre pandemic, um, the iPhone has really proven itself as something that, you know, can capture just excellent, uh, photos in, in so many different ways. Um, it's not as discreet though, right? Because people always know that you're taking photos when you point a phone at them. Mm -hmm. So my, like, you know, my approach of choice used to be a, a small, uh it wasn't even a rangefinder. it was just like a really high quality point and shoot and i would set it to black and white only that i would wear uh, around my neck um and you know either shoot from the hip quote unquote or from the chest if you will um you know using just my senses this composition like not looking through the viewfinder that's um cool. so that's that's what i would say for for street photography and for traveling yeah
2: all right. I feel like uh, you are one of the people that kind of pioneered um, social media as um, as a tool for brand and business, and um, as a place to kind of share your your values or what you stand for. Uh, we talked about NFTs, and there's TikTok and Clubhouse. If you're an entrepreneur or a business person, or you're you know trying to plan. What's next? Um, looking into your future lens, uh, what should what should people be paying attention to?
0: Um, I think it's a lot more you know fragmented than it used to be. It used to be very easy just to say like, oh you know you need to get a start an Instagram account if you mm-hmm. don't have one, you're lost. Not necessarily the case anymore depending on what your business is. But still if you look at something like TikTok, which is really all the rage, right? But TikTok is, it's fundamentally a bit different, right? Like I use TikTok a lot, but I don't really make anything on TikTok. I mean, at some point I might, but it's more of a entertainment platform for me. Like there's so many people doing such clever, entertaining things on there that I just scroll through and, and I use TikTok almost like I use TV, right? And there's a lot of people that use consume YouTube the same way. Um, but is it you know is it easy for a business to create you know short films on YouTube or content that people are going to keep coming back for? I mean, you can, obviously, but it's difficult. Um, Can you do it on TikTok? It might be easier, but can you, you know, make stuff that's guaranteed to go viral more difficult? So, I mean, my short answer to that really is for now, you still need an Instagram account because as far as Instagram has come in, as far as it's quote unquote fallen uh, as sort of the platform of the moment, it's become like the yellow pages or even the white pages, whatever you want to, you know, whatever yeah. old dinosaur comparison you want <laughs> to use, right? Go. But it's kind of like, that? it's kind of like when <laughs> web, when WWW started, yeah. you know, com- some companies were like, should I make a web page? Mm-hmm. Should I not? And I remember back then I was like, this is, even then I was like, this is the yellow pages, right? You need to have this because if somebody needs to look up information on you, where are they going to go? Now they're going to start going to WWW. And so now it's like, you know, if you want to start a food business or any kind of business really, I mean, there are some that where visuals don't apply at all, but a lot of times people will be like, what's your Instagram versus what's your website? But that segs nicely into like what I've been saying now for a couple of years, which is these platforms, social platforms, they rise and they fall. And by fall, we don't necessarily mean completely dead like MySpace, but they just become much less relevant or they become much more niche, right? So. I think the key is no matter what you're doing to also develop your own web page, right? And have that, because that's the only voice and your con- only connection to the world that you actually own. Everything else that you do, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, is owned by somebody else and you're at the whims of their rules and however they wanna change the platform or control their audiences, right? They can turn the tap on, turn the tap off. So by all means, you know, take advantage and utilize those platforms to spread the word about what you're doing but don't forget the website because that's what you own. And your email mailing list, like so many businesses are going back to that because those are the real ways that people are connecting, right? It's like you have an Instagram feed where you follow 700 people or a thousand people, like you're gonna miss stuff, right? But if you send an email to somebody and, you know, sure, a lot of people are gonna just delete it out of hand as spam. But if you've got an interesting like subject or giveaway or new product, You'd be surprised. A lot of people are actually going to open that email and read it. And hopefully that also takes them to your website where, you know, it's up to date and showcasing like what it is that you do. Right. So I don't know for me, maybe that's a one step in the past, one step in the present Mm. and future answer. But I I feel like it's a a good hedge to have your basis covered that way. Because I think if you're launching a new business and you decide, oh, I'm going to focus all my efforts on TikTok, you might be disappointed in a year if you've got nothing else going on because
2: kids have moved on or something's changed. Yeah, that's a great answer. We were even kind of joking the other day. I don't know if we were joking or fantasizing or or what, like going back to guerrilla marketing, like when we launched the juice truck, like it was just before Instagram came out and we like, we went around and put posters everywhere and kind of going back, like how would we market if we didn't use digital, um, like our own digital agency in a way. Um, what that would look like and if it would have the same impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Curious about it. Maybe we'll try it one day. We'll
0: Why see. not? We'll one
2: see. of one of many things. Right? Okay, I got one more and then I'll see if these guys have some. Mr. Foodie over here. I'm saying that. Calling <laughs> you a foodie. <laughs> uh, restaurant, favorite restaurants are places to eat in Vancouver? Ooh, you're
0: going to be disappointed because I actually never answer that question.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, I've what been... A,
0: I get asked this, I think, every time I'm on a podcast or every time I get interviewed, and I typically refuse
2: to answer. Okay, can I throw a curveball? Sure. And maybe you'll still refuse, and that's okay. <laughs> Being a Richmond alumni like ourselves, if you were spending 24 hours in Richmond, is there any you know, old hangout that you would, uh, you would go hit up for a meal? Old hangouts in Richmond.
0: That's a, you know, up till a couple of years ago, I would have said Bob's sub. Oh, yeah you guys know richmond jackie looks lost but you guys (laughs) you guys know right richmond people know bob yeah but anyway that's gone so i mean i think my updated answer is i mean i do still come to richmond a lot right um represent and what i love to do is like the food tours of the food courts at the asian malls
2: oh so many hidden gems the mar the um the market on uh the richmond market oh, richmond public market i yeah. just ate there last week right yeah. but
0: there aberdeen parker place admiralty yeah. like really great gems yeah in there and just i don't know like some of the best food that you can find in richmond okay and and it's it sucks that they're not as accessible yeah to a lot of people but i mean you know jackie and her husband recently did a little food tour that i was a part of i've hosted little food tours for people like just for friends i don't mean like official stuff right but any chance i get like it's great because you get to enjoy the food and you know the excuse is that you're introducing the food to your friends and you get to all enjoy it together super fun when we do stuff like that so i I always do stuff like that
2: you ever had taco louis at lansdowne hey
0: tater tots yeah yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) i feel like that's like richmond status
2: like uh getting getting the uh the burritos or what, tacos at taco louis one of my
0: oldest friends um she's like my great my, my grade two friend yeah like she's a total taco louis stan like she's i always say hey what's good at taco louis these days she's like oh this this and this <laughs> and what's going on <laughs> like so
2: jackie it's been like the same guy since i was in high. Like he's it's still the same guy yeah serving up tacos and he's got like the same jokes every time <laughs> like it's amazing but his
1: gift oh, is he like remembers you yeah he, oh. he'll re- like remember your name it's amazing i don't know how he does it with Everyone in Richmond, because everyone in Richmond goes there. But he just like, hey, how's it going, Dean? And like, and he'll remember like remember your order. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's very, it's very good. I'm gonna flip that
0: this, this back on you guys. But so, besides Takului, what are your favorite <laughs> Richmond jams from back in the day?
2: Oh, from Ooh. back in the day, like
0: that that still exists. Because I don't spend as much time here as you guys, obviously. But
2: that's a good. I mean, a lot of like the gems have sadly like perished. Like uh, I used to really like. Um, like cannery cafe, which is still around, but it's like different owners, like yeah. three or four times and and a new one, I guess this doesn't answer your question, but I really like I know you're a ramen guy, a furry ramen by Richmond Center.
0: I like a furry, but I like a furry in
1: Japan much better mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah much better
2: I'm sure I'm sure I would too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's like the select your own place yeah way. I've
2: been there once they've got a good good ramen.
1: I always go to um it's it's been around in yeah. Richmond for. A long time and it's still there. It's kind of like East Richmond joint in uh, Cambie Plaza, Oh Kona. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Butter spot. Chicken is excellent. Yeah, it's a yeah. good spot to go. I uh, like a
2: Himal- one called Himalaya around yeah, there Yeah, that was too. like the one on the
1: corner. Yeah, that's... yeah. So here's the thing. You know, like, I
0: mean, that's been a go-to place for Butter Chicken, especially for a lot of people for a long time. But have you been to Tandoori King Cafe? Kind of just past
1: IKEA area? No, but I know it. Try their Okay well, just their food in general is yeah. fantastic, but try their, their butter chicken.
0: It's okay. oof. what
2: that about what about stuff. bubble tea? Did you ever do bubble tea in Richmond?
0: I mean I, I do still.
2: Okay, what's your I feel like everyone's got like a go to like boba <laughs> spot.
0: Uh <laughs> I think the the current favorite is this place it's it's called Hukile. It's okay. H O U C A I L E I. And if you go there and get their their number one jam is milk tea with Brown sugar jelly.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah, if you're if you like milk tea, then then check it out. Okay, like I I typically will order like fruit slushes and things like that. But yeah. one of my first loves is milk tea, so go there, try their milk tea with the brown sugar jelly, and tell me it's not like okay. smooth and delicious. Okay. I always ordered
2: like the typical white guy thing. I'd get like the taro, um, the taro bubble tea with like coconut, extra coconut jelly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I definitely try like whatever they have. But you know that that That's is. Your- a lot of people I know too. Once they've had it, they're like, "That is That's the number one, one jam." So, but um, just to close this off before yes. we move on, um, Bob Sub, which we have a shared love for. Yes, have you guys ever tried Pat Sub on Imperial? No. So it's very similar, okay. and yeah, and Sub. I think I, I don't I haven't have this confirmed, but I think historically it comes from the same root as Bob
1: Sub and the
2: menu when you try
0: it you'll know what I mean it's almost exactly the same and it's run by this old I can't remember if she's Russian or Ukrainian but she's the sweetest lady who will just like you know jam with you in her broken English and take care of you Go Try it, okay. It will bring back memories of Bob's. Bob's. I like
2: how you're down to like answer all the Richmond wrecks, but you won't go to Vancouver. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, it's related, I mean, it's like we can't have Bob's anymore, no,
3: so exactly. Pat's is that's is
2: seriously the next one. best thing. Okay. Yeah,
1: oh, that's good, that's good.
2: Okay, we got, we got any more rapid fires here?
3: I'm good. Is, is, is
2: Jackie, go what's crowing? your favorite
0: restaurant in Richmond since uh, you spent a lot of time here?
3: Um... I your mean, parents your parents live in Richmond, right? Yeah, my parents yeah. live in Richmond, but realistically, it's because uh because Joe, my husband is is a- as passionate, I would say, as More Maurice. So. I think you guys are equally as passionate about food, and he has his own like Instagram page where he reviews like, you know, places Joe like gets this.
0: gets in depth about the yeah. story, the history, like it's it's a real Passionate and journalistic approach to to eating in restaurants, which is really cool. Very yeah, cool.
3: and he has a rule where he go before he reviews any any place, he'll eat there five times to make sure. Five. Yeah, to understand really the food and and then also he'll he writes like politically no not politically, <laughs> topic like uh yeah somewhat politically leaning somewhat you know, news leaning topics and about immigration and stuff like that. it's all woven in there. They're
0: food, food reviews with real world context. Yes. Thank you.
3: Thank you. You should be a writer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what do I love in, in Richmond? I, I still, I know that everyone knows this place, but I still really love, um, HK barbecue masters underneath the superstore. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, it's it's still I think some of the best barbecue pork I've ever had, um, but can I make a plug for my favorite bubble tea place? Yes. Because prior to and Maurice knows this. <laughs> 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 Maurice He's is making left. like a very attentive Leading listening in. pose. Um, prior to being pregnant, I did not ever crave bubble tea. Like, Maurice would be like, hey, I'm going to take you to this great bubble tea place. I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Was not a big fan. But for whatever reason, I'm always dying for mango things now mm. and mango slush and whatever. And there's this place in Yale Town, which Oof. does not sound promising. That was unexpected. Yeah, right? It's called uh, Cha Yuan, which is C H A. Yuan and they make all of their own grass jelly.
4: Oh. Ooh.
3: And they also infuse say for example if you get like grapefruit green tea, they actually infuse grapefruit into their green tea and they make it all and their hours are so like obviously they're doing fine because they're not open like on Saturday and Sunday or something like that. I mean it's just like crazy. But and you can also order my mouth is watering. I can't believe it. my mouth is watering over bubble tea. We're going to go for bubble tea after this. Yeah. you got to But like you can order uh, oat milk instead of um, like cow milk or whatever. But you also, I know most places do this where you can say like 0% mm-hmm. uh, sugar to 100%, but then also 0% ice to 100%. So everything is customizable. So for contr- bubble tea control freaks like me, it is like yes. heaven. Amazing. 70-70, so, 70-50. Yeah,
0: really? That's, I mean, oh, is that, okay. is that that's your my calendar? standard 70-50. I do 20-20. 20-20? Yeah. 20% sugar?
3: Yeah, I don't like a lot of sugar oh. in mine. I just, you know, the mango's sweet enough. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, they also have mango jelly. With me man- anyway, I'm obsessed with mango these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you tried mango hojicha at Paragon? No,
1: no, so good. they they Paragon has like a hojicha oat milk, yeah. That's that's, that's their go to wow. drink, yeah. yeah. But
0: they have a mango hojicha.
2: <gasps> oh, that's where's sounds... Paragon? I don't even know. It's, it's uh,
0: right at there's... the foot of the, the southern foot of Cambie Street Bridge, okay, kind of across from the Best Buy, like right on the corner. Is that a
2: Vancouver recommendation? <laughs> uh, <I> mean, <laughs> we got one, we got one. <laughs> wow
3: that went on a big u-turn richmond <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> bubble tea <laughs> we, got okay, <laughs> we got him we got it first, the first <laughs> reveal
1: <laughs> ever well,
0: what, well, if, if you ask me specific things like what where do you like to go for this i'll answer yeah okay but it's hard to, to i don't know i don't know what my favorite Ooh, restaurant okay, where do you so. go for ramen uh depends on
2: the type of ramen okay, okay
3: so
1: go. <laughs> Secrets reveal. We'll save it save save for another pod.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, Jackie, do you have any more?
3: No. Um, as, as the chairwoman, yes. do I say, like, this is where we wrap it up?
2: Yeah. We've got a closing question. Do okay. you want to give sign off for Dean to...
3: Okay. What is your
2: closing and then, question, Dean? You, you, <laughs> you, you, you have to pitch it. You <laughs> have to pitch it to her. Okay. Oh, should we let gosh. Jackie ask it? I could write it down. It's true. <laughs> no, 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 no. Quickly,
1: quickly write it down. I'll set it up. Okay, you set it up. So <laughs> we ask this question to every guest that we have. And it is based off of um, the intention we have behind the podcast. We called it A Little More Good. And we, we named it that because it's what we want to create in the world through fun, meaningful conversation, through meeting great people and hearing their recommendations for more than just where to eat, but how to live, how to carry themselves and how to be in the world. So we always close with this
3: question, boss. It's what does doing a little more good mean to you?
0: Um so to me like whenever i get asked questions like this i tend to think obviously external to myself and like some of the things that i'm doing so because my business is so concentrated on like improving things for photographers or artists and i think i touched on this even when i had a conversation with may right like a little more good just it's always for me like how can i help and how can I, like, contribute my knowledge and experience to, like, help you make whatever it is your idea is or whatever thing thats that you're trying to create, like, help it go a little better or a little smoother and improve, um, like, what you're doing? How can I help you do what you do best is kind of my approach to things, right? So if I can augment strengths, like I don't usually like meet up with people and say, hey, here's an idea I have for you. You should go and do this like from scratch. I'm more like, you tell me like what you're passionate about, what you've got going on, and if I can, I will lend you some input to like help you make it better. You don't have to take my advice, but just based on like what I do and what I know, this is um, this might be helpful. And and I think it's it's uh, I, I love I love it when it is helpful and and when it gets like applied to the real world and and results come from that so yeah i guess i don't know i don't know if that's the kind of answer that you're looking for but that's that's, that's perfect really my whole thing that's so,
3: perfect
0: yeah.
2: yeah all right thanks good thanks thanks jackie for thanks for co-hosting with us and thanks boss yeah thanks thank new, you guys a new podcast but well, we didn't even talk about curling or your curling club no, we or didn't. Like what yeah. that looks that's like that's
3: put on hold for now okay it's yeah. just
0: growing now because next time I'm going to be a co-host, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to have to
3: add yeah. a fifth chair and yeah. just like. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> well, thank you guys for inviting me to be a part of this, and thanks Maurice for saying yes. And- thanks for inviting me and sharing. So yeah.
2: All right, thanks guys. Thank you. All right. Well,
1: I'm not sure if I want to add to my like sneaker collection, start collecting NFTs or just like go sit in a field somewhere or an intersection somewhere with my camera and like try to capture a moment of beauty and just like take it all in while it's happening, you know? It yeah, yeah, was yeah. just
2: like inspirational on, on so many fronts. Yeah. I mean, I really connected with the process that Maurice was talking about yeah. in the photography and having that patience um, to be present for a long period of time to get that photo, to get mm. that composition. Um It took me back to when I was an art school kid, and I told you this before I was really into like long exposures and I would spend like sometimes two hours just with one photograph and it was like kind of a meditation in ways you just kind of sit and really experience your surroundings and um through maurice 's storytelling, it allowed me to kind of re experience my own process so mm-hmm. it's it's nice when other people's stories you know bring back fond memories for yourself so Thank you, Maurice, for Mm -hmm. letting me relive some of my uh, more enjoyable moments. And I I think you sparked a bit of a fire for me to pick up the camera again and and get out there and experience life through the lens. Because I think you do, even though there there is that camera between you and the world, I think um, it puts you in a state of observing Mm -hmm. um, and you're less distracted by other things it kind of brings you to the present in a a interesting way
1: yeah and it's like i think it's a really good lesson for for life like not just for photography but for life like how are we making space to slow down and really like pay attention to what's around us right we're we're so fast-paced right maybe if you're like me you might even be listening to this podcast on like 1.5 times speed right because like we've got lots to do we've got lots to get through and so we find these hacks to speed up, to do more, to cram more in. And it's like a good reminder, you know, in this world to, to take time, to pay attention, to be aware, to to make the process like the important work of just being present. So, yeah, grateful for that reminder among just like the great stories shared, the laughs, yes. like how those two met. Yeah, that was so good. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs>
2: Oh man! All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Uh, Stay tuned for future um, takeovers. We're gonna have some other uh, hosts kind of take over this platform in the new year. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have people that you think would be a great host, let us know. Mm -hmm. We can, uh, you know, bring them on.
1: Yeah, we love to hear from you. I always uh, appreciate messages, um, tags, likes, reshares, all that stuff. Hearing about how you know a certain episode or certain guest really resonated with you. um, that just means so much to us. so so don't hesitate to reach out and to, to let us know what's uh, what's resonating with you. We love that. We love to hear that and as always, like, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast that helps us out. write a review on an episode or about the podcast in general. We'd really appreciate that and um, share it with a friend. you know that's one of the best ways just to get the word out there. Good old-fashioned word of mouth. you know something coming from a friend means a lot more than just a random ad or what have you so we appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to listen and to support us by liking sharing commenting all that good stuff
2: all right thanks y'all we'll see you guys next week same time same place peace